Welcome back to another episode of the All Music Is Good podcast, the podcast that takes a deep dive into four recent releases. We get right in there to try and work out what's great and sometimes not so great about each one. And you may wish to refer to last week's Her Album review um, for the not so great. This week, we'll be looking at albums from SAULT or Salt. We still will get to the bottom of that. Mr. Bungle, Hiatus, Coyote and Doja Cat. And while the rest of Australia navigates through their own brand of um, we aren't really taking this seriously, but we really think we are locked down, our little city of Melbourne peeks its head out from behind the curtains and continues to ask itself the question, is this actually real? Almost seems surreal even two weeks after from lockdown four, but if you think that's surreal, it was with utter disbelief that I opened up the All Music Is Good Gmail account the other day for the first time in a few months to clear out the spam to find an email that said, congratulations, the All Music Is Good podcast is trending at number 32 in the Music Commentary podcast in Australia for the month of March. Now, for some, that may have been the moment to pop the cork in a bottle of Moe, but for me, it just raised question after question. Firstly, what even is the music commentary podcast section and how did we happen to be in it in the first place? I mean, how many actual podcasts exist in the music commentary section? I think it's 32. That's what I think. It probably is 32. (laughs) And look, the further I dove down this rabbit hole, the more and more suspicious I became that we've fallen victim once again to some elaborate Ryan Munro hoax. So (laughs) it's on that note. I'm going to switch on his microphone and say hello and discuss all things music and our dysfunctional podcasting existence with my esteemed colleague and potentially trending co-host, Arik Bloom. Good evening, Arik. Good evening, Waza. Look, 32 holds a very special place in my heart. Mm. Number 32 was Tim Watson at, um, when I was coming up as a young'un. Tim was, Watson at Essendon. Was Magic 32. Johnson number 32? Magic Johnson, also number 32. <sighs> so I think we might just hold firm on position number 32. The thing that I really enjoyed when I got that news was that, um, you know, it's like I've always loved niches, but this niche is like, you know, a niche within a niche within a niche. And I mean, I just I just want to say a massive muzzle tov to the person that sent <laughs> yes. that email that's actually doing the analysis of the data because, mm. you know, maybe uh, they've probably got a, like a huge team looking at music commentary oh. Podcasts trending in Australia at the moment. It would be massive. It would be. It would be massive. Um, Less than a hundred, but more than fifty. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, So look, that was that was really great news. I'd be really keen. I think now that the bar is set, we're going to have to keep an eye on this um, this chart because if we can crack, I mean, well, ideally, like, is our intention to go below thirty two, or do we want to go above thirty two? Well, I think if you like. You know, Wimbledon's on at the moment, and I think if you crack the top 30, that's a seeding. Okay. Um, so, like, if we could get seeded somehow in the, uh, in the, in the, all music, in this, um, yeah, in the podcasting music commentary seed, I don't know what I'm saying. But look, yeah, I think top 30 should be our aim. Maybe number 23, like a solid yeah, 20s. Solid 20s. Top, you know, teens. I don't even know if it's just for Australia, because I, I initially thought maybe it's just for Australia, but like, how many music commentary podcasts? I don't think there's many. Would, I think, would there I, be more than 32 or I less think we might be number 32 in Australia of music review podcasts around the world. 
You reckon? Yeah. yeah. I, I just don't. I'm, I'm ha- that's what I'm happy to tell myself. I'm too scared to open up the email and have another look. I just, yeah, let's just go with that. I'm happy with that. Um, so that, there's that. Um, what else, mate? Anything? What else? Well, look, as you mentioned, um, you know, the rest of Australia's gone into a bit of lockdown. We're kind of poking our head out. And um, I guess I didn't really get the memo about uh, COVID-19 and global pandemics because I've gone full-blown Bondi and decided to organise a music festival at the end of the oh. year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's keeping me pretty busy. Mm-hmm. Um, so more of, more about that to come. Um, and uh, what else can I tell you? I, uh, I got some really awesome utensils for the kitchen. It's like uh, something that you can like shred fennel with, uh, but like really, oh, really, 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 like really fresh fennel. Yeah, mm. and also like a garlic not, press. Not the fronds, the actual, the bulb. The bulb. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And we've got got a pretty cool garlic press. Mm. Uh, my dogs injured their foot. Mm-hmm. That's been a little bit traumatic. Um, but that's about it. What, what about you, Was? What's been happening? If you uh, if you want to glance to my right, you'll see my um, circa 1995 crumpler posty bag oh, that, yeah. that, I've, that I've purchased. Ooh. It's got the uh, the speed stripes on it. Um, that was pretty. That was a pretty big deal. You've gone full chemical, brothers. <laughs> that's funny you say that. I'm going to mention that later. <laughs> um, I made some sausage rolls today. That mm. was that was pretty big. Some chicken and uh, veggie sausage rolls. Had it with some sriracha. Oh yeah, very nice. Um, and uh, look, we could almost just still be in lockdown. That's what it feels like. Um, hence my reference to poking our head out because it sort of feels like you don't really want to go out. It's nah. weird. Anyway, we said we weren't going to talk about it last week, and we're still talking about it. Um, yeah, let's let's uh, let's get into the guest of the week. We've got some good music to look at tonight. So, Arik, look, I think I've said it before on this podcast. And I'm quite happy to voice this theory once again because it's one of my best theories, I think. And it's my strong and ardent belief that the best people in music are bass players. That's true. Look, they're grounded, they're dry, they're funny, devoid of ego. Look, and I and I look at myself and I say mm, that. Mm. And look, just all round good people, I think. And look, we only have to look back at some of our past guests. We've had Ryan Munro, great guy. Great guy. Jules Pascoe. No ego. No ego. Grounded, funny. Tamara Murphy, funny, grounded. And um, look, I think tonight's guest is no exception to this rule because he espouses all these characteristics. So, Eric, when we talk about bass players in Melbourne, and I don't want to embarrass this person sitting to my right, but he's without a doubt one of my favourite players in this great music city we live in. And to hear him play his Fender P is like what I imagine it would have been like to listen to James Jameson play bass back in the Motown days because, like, this person is so lyrical and melodic with how he plays his instrument. And along with his bandmates, form one of the tightest and soulful rhythm sections in this country. Um, his band have also recorded what I think, and I think you would agree, Eric, to, you know, I'd consider it to be one of the finest soul albums to come out of this country. And this person was right at the creative heart of that work. So... It's with great pleasure that we say a big all music hello to this week's guest reviewer. So hold on a second. Ladies and gentlemen, can I introduce you? It's star time. He's the king of the four string. One of the baddest bass players in the country. Let's give it up for Mick Maher. How'd that go? It wasn't quite James Brown. Oh, it sounded great, though. Yeah. It sounded great. Welcome, Mick. Welcome, Mick. All right, thank you very much. 
Thank you, Was. Beautiful. I think it'll come up well once I've edited it and put it in time. Like, you know, maybe I'll re overdub it. That would be great. Look, Was, you know, I think Was has been looking forward to this episode for for quite some time. I mean, Was may not admit to the fact that, like, I think your name comes up every, pretty much every single time we talk on the phone as just like, <laughs> th- just how good's Mick? So yeah, we're, we're absolutely good. thrilled for you to be here. Sorry to make you blush. Thanks. Um, I would all, you know, like just as a, but before we get into like your career, maybe we'll just make this about me for a minute. Um, <laughs> uh, like I, that bass tone that you, that you have on that P bass, I remember doing a gig with you way back when in like 2007 or something and Correct me if I'm wrong, but did you put a little sponge? I did have a sponge. Yeah. You all that, so yeah. you know, so that sponge has become like. I mean, it went over to Was, and then Was <laughs> Was showed me the trick, yeah. and since then, it's like, caught on. You can't yeah. you can't play bass without the sponge. You can't play a P bass without a sponge. Basically, well, that's I've, actually maybe the name of your new record. I've actually take. I took my sponge out a while ago. Uh, right. Yeah, okay. I, I don't use a sponge anymore. He doesn't do trends. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I was like, hang on a second. He's 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 on trend by being off trend. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, I did take. The, I, I have taken the sponge out. Oh, but wow. uh, yeah, at the time. So good. Yeah, but you know, it's a pretty common thing for bass players to do to, to get is. that get that tone and. On the old old school bases, yeah. I think what he's saying is it's all about the player, not about the sponge. That's right. <laughs> you take the sponge out, have it in, whatever. But, it's um, still going to sound good. Yeah. I, I remember getting my sponge. I went to Cl- I measured, got all the measurements and went to Clark Rubber and got a piece of sponge cut out. Went to the free sponge, you know, they had a, a crate of sponge, you know. Did um, they? Like pool yeah, sponge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it a- cost me like two cents or something. Okay. I don't know. I thought you were about to, t- to say it was like this kind of like... Uh, activism, like a free Britney movement, like a free sponge. <laughs> I got mine from it'll, Bunnings. It'll, yeah. yeah, right. I cut it off. I, cut, I got a big sponge. Right. And then cut a little bit out of the yeah, sponge. Yeah, I was actually surprised at how handy I was with it because normally I, I don't really do that stuff very well. But um, funnily, like, yeah, around that time, 2007 or whenever it was, it was a bright green sponge and oh. it was very clean and my, my P-Base, even though it's a, an older P-Base, didn't ha- didn't look as dirty as it does today, but the sponge now it's it's no longer light green. It's it's more like a it's an off green. So, I would say. So, so you're basically saying you kept the same sponge in for like close to yeah. fifteen years. Got to. Yeah, yeah, because okay. it's you got to yeah. get the funk in the sponge. <laughs> it's like the funk in the strings, man. Sorry, it's, hard, it's hard. It's hard to find the right kind of thing to to pull that tone, you know. Like mm-hmm. so, yeah, and it it just it seemed to be the right. The right sort of height and the right, yeah, the right thickness, and then yeah, like to nerd out for a second. Like, mm. what what is that bass that you play against? Like a cl- cl- Fender Classic Deluxe or a, a custom uh, shop? It's a was reissue, it? like a '57 reissue. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Was yeah. it one of the custom shop ones? Is it a '90s reissue? What is it? Early '80s. Early '80s. Yeah. Fucking... Oh, is that so? Is that the Fulton one? Oh, look, oh, was, oh, sorry. I'm cool talking about sponges. <laughs> Don't talk about my art and my, my secrets. Well, Unfortunately, we'll, I'm not that bass player, so yeah. We'll have to compare it to like my 57P, which I think is in the studio that I'm going to take back tonight. Yeah, just just let so, you know it's right. happening, man. Um, it's an 81. Anyway, right. we'll, we just nerd out. Yeah, right. it should be the same era, I think. Yeah, mm. oh, let's, let's have a look in the break. All right, take it away. So, Mick, tell us a little bit about you know what's been happening. I guess... Uh, well, you know, I won't speak for you. You guys put a record out last year. Yeah, Emma D and the Putbacks. Yeah, crossover came out last year. 
Uh, would you believe it? We're releasing another album. Oh wow! I know. So no. we did. We released Dawn in 2014 or whenever it was. Fuck, that's a long time ago, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And you did. Um, uh, you had a solo um, a putbacks. Putbacks um, album, yep. which we're about to hear now. I think in the background. <laughs> oh, that was the. Um, that was the one that, that came out like about a couple of years ago. That yeah. just instrumental, just yes. strictly instrumental. Yeah. yeah. And. Um, and yes, a new album's coming out. So we had a big break, and now we're just one after the other, bang bang. So how does that process work? I mean, do you guys turn them? It sounds like do you t- turn them out pretty quickly, or um, we just had uh, I don't know how to explain how we do it. We just <laughs> do it, I guess. Uh, and and a situation presented itself for us to be able to do it, and and we did it. <laughs> so not a lot of planning. Not what, a lot. Of, yeah. What's the launch? When's the launch? Is that going to happen? Is that uh, launch? Well, we're actually releasing the first. The first single is coming out next, uh, the 9th of July, which I think is next Friday. That's, so be ready. That's very fortuitous that yeah. you've got you on tonight. That's really good. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah. I mean, with, with the top 30, 35 ranking on the podcasting list, this is going to be heard by a lot of people. This and, could be, this yeah. is like a junket that you could it is a not, junket that you um, had to do, obviously. Absolutely. I mean, it's perfectly timed, actually. So it's going to come out the day of the release. And sorry, I cut you off before you said where the launch was. Well, <laughs> let's let yeah. people know more about so, us. So the new, the new album has something to do with the city of Melbourne. City of Melbourne uh, have a project to help um, you know bands through the lockdown and uh, COVID sort of experience. So city of Melbourne put up some funding for a whole bunch of bands from different kind of backgrounds and, and genres. We were one of the lucky ones to be chosen. Um, and they're launching the albums uh, as part of like a laneways kind of festival in the city. So we're performing somewhere in the city in a laneway, and I believe that day, I believe it's you know mid September, around the seventeenth or something like that. So the first single's coming out next July, um, the Ju- July the ninth, next Friday, and then um, yeah, mid September the whole album should be out. Awesome. Huge! And did, yeah. where did you guys record it? We recorded in uh, Castle Main at um, I think it's called Phantom Studios, which is uh, Justin Marshall's studio space. Okay. Um, tracked all the stuff there. And then did the vocals with Emma yep. in in town uh, at at Willow Grove. Beauty, yeah, so exciting. Yeah, and Henry Jenkins mixed it as well, which is really huge. really cool. Yeah, we're happy he's about uh, he's really flying at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, he's doing great. He's such a great job with um, Surprise Chef. Yeah, yeah, Just really cool. So great. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd be curious to actually know, given, I mean, my understanding is Tom Martin was his guitar teacher, right? No, I actually taught Henry yeah, bass. Right. Yeah, we at Princess Hill too. Were you teaching him there? No, he just wasn't... privately. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so you were his teacher. I was Henry's teacher at yeah. When so uh, yep, he was like fourteen or something like that. Oh, I God. was like, that's yeah. so scary. Isn't I was it? going to his house. <laughs> it's pretty funny actually. Now that you think about it, because I would yeah, I'd go to his house and teach him, and I'd have to go into his bedroom. So I'd find myself in a bedroom of a teenage. You know, teaching him bass. <laughs> anyway, he was he was a good student, and and he was right into it. He just wanted to learn Jamison, and and you know, and I was like, awesome, let's yeah. just do that. Yeah, oh, I thought you said I'm awesome at doing that, yeah. <laughs> which that, is true also. And like when I guess when like a student becomes a peer, like how does that feel for you? Some uh, for look, you? yeah, that that it's nice that you say that actually because that whole crew, like the Cactus Channel crew, you know, like. Seriously, yeah, we we saw them when they were kids, you know, and mm. we saw them doing their thing. Um, and, you know, I think the connection with Henry and, and uh, David was, had a few lessons with Tom at the time. 
Tom Martin, the guitarist in the Putbacks. Yeah. And yeah, we, you know, those relationships helped uh, us sort of put them forward with with Hope Street. Yeah. So Tom and I were there when they recorded their first forty five, the Dap and Pepper Snake. You know, oh, just wow. literally next door. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and so and and they're still going, and and it's it's really cool. Like I I actually I feel really proud, you know, and mm. and I'm really really, you know, I don't feel responsible but just just to know that they were young kids uh who have stuck with it and and you know and they're really really good yeah <laughs> you they know? Are really they're doing really well they're making great sounds and they're playing great and and they've got great attitudes they're and nice people too yeah, yeah yeah all of them yeah absolutely yeah. Like, i mean they've, they've always been that younger generation but like just you know being out and about on the circuit, and you'd run into someone like Hudson, or yeah. you know, and they're just yeah. like, oh, they're just such nice yeah. Yeah. guys. And I just think of them as kids still, but they're not yeah. kids obviously yeah, no, anymore. They're, they're but they're just like, ups. they're just, <laughs> they're just really, yeah, good. Always ex. been lovely yeah. people. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, yeah, I, just, I love the idea where you know, I guess you know, if we look thinking in like Star Wars terms, you know. <laughs> Yeah. You know, like um, you know, Yoda and Luke Skywalker, and at some point, like Luke Skywalker is a, is a Jedi, and that would you know level like. But does I, it ever I, feel right to you though, seeing Luke Skywalker as an older guy being the I master? Think, I think he looks great. He looks great. Yeah. But yeah. but I think there's just something to say. Like I think you know, a scene is in really good sure. shape yeah. when the like the young generation come up. It's still very like. You know, it's still family, so yeah. everyone's still together. But I, I dare say those young kids are going to be pushing the older generation mm. to level up mm, as well with sure. new sounds and Absolutely. new ways of working. So yeah. it's, you know, at some point that new generation, old generation tag will just fall, like dissipate, mm. and everyone will just be the scene. But yeah. it's cool to know, like, you know, track those stories and those histories. Uh, yeah. I don't want to mm. big up. Uh, like our generation either, but like I always found the generation before us mm. weren't that friendly with like with no they weren't with, with helping out and doing that. And I think that you know, like you know, our, our generation, like you, Mick, and and ourselves have like r- tried to be encouraging for the that those guys who have come up and to you know, and I think that's <laughs> I would have big. I'm not trying to big no, up, but you. I think it's nice that like they're they're friendly and that's you know that. Um, says good things about us, you know, helping to to bring through these guys and the scene, and and that we can all be friends. I it's, think it's really nice. It's like um, it's like I guess like the you know the Geelong Footy Club that never kind of dipped. You know, the, you know the players turned over, but they're still great. It's like just like I our guess same, so. just like that, yeah. just like that. <laughs> I'd say more Sydney Swans, Sydney Swans, the Bloods Leading culture. Edge. Maybe we could be the Bloods culture. Yeah, Bloods culture. Yeah, the Bloods, Bloods culture. Bloods culture. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Hey, was yeah. Um, Do you want to take us over to um, our first uh, official segment of the of the week? Oh well, and I'll say thanks, Mick. It's really good to have you here tonight. Was, thanks yeah. for having me. And and I've been listening to your podcast, and it is great. And perhaps uh, your ranking, you know, could be me playing playing it more than once. Okay, <laughs> yeah. twice. There you go. I listened. Uh, you know, I listened to the Ryan Munro episode and the Jules Pascoe. Oh yeah, ground, Early you know, bass a, a grounded. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> did. Yeah. <laughs> But no, I like the Jules Pascoe one. He was really cool, you know. Yeah, he, he had. I like the way he ranked. Like he's like, you know, he goes, "I know what it's like to make an album, you know." And if if, if you get to the finish line, and then, it's like thumbs up. Yeah. You've done a great job. Hundred you know, percent. Doesn't matter if I don't like it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, it is. It is quite a. You know, and it's interesting you say that because you know I think we're going to cover some of those kind of things later on in the episode of just you know making records and and and, and all those kinds of things that. 
that get thrown up in in the process of creating. So um, thank you, Mick. Thank you for coming on tonight. And um, we'll get straight into our Instagram like of the week. All right. Thanks, Eric. The Instagram like of the week is a segment that celebrates a new Instagram account we've come across between episodes. Each week, I invite Arik and our celebrity guest, Mick Mart, to guess who or what this mystery account may be. As we reiterate each episode, it's not just about us and our social media game. We aren't about the cheap thrills of an Instagram like. It's more about us honouring others with an all music is good like. So it's a selective group of people who receive this honour. Just ask last week's inductee, Posh Spice, Victoria Beckham. Um, so I'm going to get straight into the clues, guys. All right. So this week, I was born in Melbourne, Australia. As a teenager, do I, anyone, anyone want to have a guess? No, no, you're good. Um, as a teenager, I had a cameo in Francis Ford Coppola's movie The Outsiders. As I got older, I had cameos in movies such as Back to the Future 2 and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Okay. I took up music as a teenager and have played on some massive pop hits such as Young MC's Buster Move and Jules, Uh, You Were Meant For Me, I I Was Meant For You. Let's just, I, don't, I reckon I know who you know who it is. I'll it. just go with Eric for one more, couple more clues, Mick, and then you can say you got it. I also played trumpet on Jane's Addiction's Nothing Is Shocking. I was not, no. Go on, continue. <laughs> I founded the non-profit organisation Silver Lake Conservatory of Music in Los Angeles, which provides free music lessons and instruments to underprivileged children. No idea. I'll give you the last clue before Mick, who should know this, knows it. This individual's main band, Arik, has won seven Grammys and been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Nah. Mick? Flea. Flea! Oh, my God. Yes, Michael Balzari. Michael Balzari. Oh, shit. Flea. Have you read his book? I've got it, actually. It I was bought for my birthday. I've read it, yeah. Is it good? Is it good? Yeah. Oh, yeah. you've read it, of course. I've, yeah. Huh? I, I knew that he was born in Melbourne, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, thought <laughs> he in, sorry, straight away. I thought he was born in Canberra. No, no, he lived in Canberra around there yeah, as a teenager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, he, I thought the giveaway would have been if I said because I knew most people know he played on Alanis Morissette's "You Ought to Know," right? Um, but did. I didn't know that he played on "Bust a Move." Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. that's insane. I'm just trying to remember what, what role. Wait, sorry, you said "Back to the Future 2 and what was the second one? Uh, Fear and Loathing. Fear and Loathing. Yeah, I don't remember. But he, like, when I was looking up the uh, the facts and Back to the Future 2, he played Needles, who right. was the guy who drove the car against Michael J. Fox when he was calling him Chicken. Oh, that you makes know, sense. You know, that crazy yeah, guy yeah, yeah, with yeah, the yeah, weird yeah. hair? He almost <laughs> outdid uh, Anthony Curtis in Point Break. <laughs> <laughs> no, that... <laughs> he absolutely that did. That would be a waste of time. <laughs> yeah. That's so bad. <laughs> I mean, we've been to the Point Break. We've done that. Um... Balzari, I, I yeah, I understand. He, yeah, he's a Canberra guy. Do you know much more about that? Is it in his bio? In his, yeah, um, he talks about that. Uh, AC, not Canberra, just ACT, like Quinbian or some shit. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, around just there. Just the suburb, Quinbian. Quinbian. To be okay, like yeah, I think he moved, like he moved to the states, and his sister came back to Australia or something like that. Yeah, I think right, she still then, lives here. And then yeah, the, no, the book's cool. Like it's. He, he writes really well and it's quite poetic and fun. Uh, you know, I was talking to someone about this the other day, actually, about, um, you know, some of his celebrated sort of rock and roll 
and and drug stories, and like it's it's sort of hard reading because you know in that in that time like the early eighties or whenever it was like you know the the knowledge on the street might not have been that they might not have been as informed about you know. HIV and all those sorts of things, and yeah, just right. some of these crazy stories are like, oh man, wow, it's sort of full on. Mm, yeah, he's sort of so lucky to escape for sure. <laughs> I, th- I feel like both of them, like from reading Kedis's one, yeah, knowing that they were pretty, you know, pretty tight running mates. Yeah, at that yeah. time, that the fact that neither of them, you know, didn't I, I know. were seriously injured. Yeah, or yeah. be dead. Like the fact yeah. that only one of them ended up, yeah, yeah. you know, having having the OD was just well, yeah. incredible. So. Yeah. Yeah, cool on. Interesting band. Interesting band. You just kind of wonder what, what like a Melbourne via ACT kid <laughs> does when they show up to Halifax, California, and you know what I mean. Like it's just such a wild. Yeah. It's just you know he would have grown up with like footy and meat pies. He, and yeah. Well, his his mum. Uh, affiliated with a lot of jazz musicians. Yeah, the yeah. the stepfather was uh, yeah, like the stepfather a was a bass player. Bebop, yeah, a, a, a ba- yeah, a bebop bass player. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So he was yeah, and and he'd have often have a lot of jazz guys staying at his house, and and yeah, he had a lot of his early experiences with with these pretty heavy cats. Mm. Yeah, it's mm. incredible. Like I mean, it's no less incredible than Olivia Newton-John, you know, going to. England and then being one of the totally. biggest global stars yeah. in the world coming from Melbourne. Just like, yeah, it's, wild. it's, it is wild. I guess it doesn't happen as much as it would have because, you know, there's just manufactured ways to the top now that, yeah. Yeah. you know, the luck of the draw doesn't happen. So, Waza, yes. what has been happening on Flea's Instagram? <sighs> Stop it, Eric. <laughs> I don't know. He, I... I, I'm uh, going to admit, I'm wellness. Flea may not even actually, have an Instagram no, account. I, I thank I, God. I, yeah, <laughs> didn't even look. I, he, I follow him on Instagram. So is, is he he like got a, a new tattoo recently. Okay. Yeah, he got a tattoo of a bear on his chest. Oh, amazing! That's, that's a recent thing. Mick's making a very strong play for third host with all this knowledge <laughs> yeah, in the background. Totally. <laughs> Maybe I look at Instagram too much. <laughs> that's huge. I just, I, I mean, the, like one thing I know about Fleet outside of Red Hot Chili is I know, like, I remember he performed at the MTV Music Awards, and his daughter Clara. Was really young at the time, and he and he wrote "Hi Clara" yeah, right. on his on his chest. So I reckon Clara will be like, I don't know, twenty five now. Oh yeah, they're definitely because yeah. I remember like when uh, Californication came out, they were playing at their kids' high school right. um, dances and things like that. And right. that must have been over ten years ago now. Mm, I've got a red hot chili pepper story. Yeah. Um, so I was like hands down, like you know, as I guess so many kids would have been in the nineties, like properly, not just like I love the chili peppers, but like. I'm absolutely. They are absolutely everything that I want and wanted to be in music at that time. And um, they, you know, they took their break and then, sorry, like Fashante left and Navarro came through and and then they did the Californication tour. No, no, that was a one hot minute tour. No, no, no. Navarro. The one hot minute tour was '95. Oh, I went okay, to that. Oh, saw Dave too. Navarro. Yeah, that was, that was and kind that, of weird. That where, they, where Regurgitator opened. Yeah, which and they fucking creamed I, them. I, I, I was there. Yeah, yeah right? tennis center. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, was, I was in Brisbane. So loudest. Oh. I'll, I'll say now, Regurgitator set. There was the loudest gig I've ever been to. Okay. It was wow. wild, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but then 99 rolled around and Frashante's back in business. And I was like, I'm, you know, I, was, I, don't, I don't know how I ended up there, but I was stalking them. And I went outside the Como Hotel in Corner Turak yeah. Road and South Yarra, Melbourne. Chapel Street. And there he was, Anthony Kiedis. No, yeah, yeah, walking down the street. 
and he's fucking so short. <laughs> like short, really, 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 really wow. short. Like I was taller than him as like a 17-year-old. Well, if you want to compare it to Patrick Swayze, who was also short in Point Break, then that would, you know, I guess that makes sense. Well, maybe there's something there. Yeah. I was short. So, sorry, was that the story? Yeah, that's it. Okay. And I, I would say finally that like of all of the people that have kind of really like worked the word California, Cadis and Flea would be the guys. Yeah, so yeah. we dare say... Uh, drums in California, Lana Del Rey's record. Um, yeah, chemtrails. Chemtrails in California. Yeah, it all stems from uh, a, a Melbourne guy. Yeah, <laughs> moved there. A Melbourne yeah. guy moved there. Well, that's great. It was so. Thank you for that Instagram like a week. Shall we uh, get into the records for this week? I think we should. We'll be back in, in one second. So our first album for this week is by Melbourne band Hiatus Coyote and the album is titled Mood Valiant. So a little bit of history about Hiatus Coyote and this is lifted from our very, very reputable source, Wikipedia. Uh, I, I, I figured last week that I was being a bit sneaky with my um, with my bios and I th- realised that maybe I should be crediting the bios to the source. Yeah, likely. So I'll do that tonight. So the four band members met in Melbourne, Australia. Bassist Paul Bender saw Naomi Salfield perform a solo show and they started working together a year later. Perrin Moss and Simon Maven joined shortly afterwards. The collaboration led to Hiatus Cody playing their first gig at the Bohemian Masquerade Ball among Sword Swallowers, Fire Twirlers and, Gypsy, and a Gypsy Deathcore band. In February 2012, the band opened for Taylor McFerrin in Melbourne at the SB, I believe. Um, McFerrin was so impressed with them that he introduced their music to influential broadcaster and record label owner DJ Giles Peterson. Is that exactly is that how that story rolls? I think that's around about, about right. Pretty close. About right. Uh, the band released their debut album Talk Tomahawk independently in April 2012. It was noticed by numerous musicians, including Animal Collective and Dirty Projectors. And the band later received public endorsements from Erica Badu, Questlove, and Prince, who urged their followers via Twitter to listen to the music. Um, I think. I might just leave it there. I mean, you know, we should mention, obviously, two Grammy nominations uh, in the R&B category, one for Nakamura and the other one for, do you remember the song that they were nominated for? Was it the song or was it the album? I think it um, it might have been the album, actually. Um, They lost out to Snarky Puppy, which was, I think, fucked, and then Layla Hathaway, which, you know, I mean, just, you know, Layla Hathaway... You know, is Layla Hathaway? You know, yeah. But was that the song? Was it then? I don't. I, I think that was a second nomination. I, I think that was must have been the first nomination. Um, look, I can talk about a bit more of their history, but I think this record in particular, I'd love to give a bit of backstory. I, I read an amazing interview um, with both um, uh, Naomi Starfield, uh, who goes by the, the name Napalm, and um, Paul Bender. Um, and perhaps I might lead with that before we kind of get into the actual review. So it was a really, really good interview. They were very kind of um, candid about, you know, themselves. And um, yeah, basically there were some really just interesting anecdotes. Um, so the I think the interview was kind of really um, curious about sort of like the kind of freedom by which this band play. Um 
and the, you know the fact that I think this is this you know this ensemble is something that you just you can't peg it like you kind of want to put it into like a neo soul space or you want to put it into a new jazz space but it's really just like for creatives that just are bringing whatever is going on with them and and then I guess also collectively as a group into a space and Nay kind of speaks to that and um, she basically talks a little bit about um, her her relationship with a band called Shags. Have you guys... Yep, you know... So I'd never heard of this, but just basically using her words, she says, they're a group of sisters that were homeschooled and they'd never been exposed to music before. Their father and had his palm read by his mother who said, you're going to have famous children. And so he went home and gave them all these instruments, but they didn't know what music was. And so what they made, it's demented and pure, pure chaos. <laughs> but it's what they think music is and it's super strong. And then Bender repl- responds and says, it's one of those things that if it just has its own internal logic, then it is unlike any other formula. I think they had a couple of Beatles records, but they just took whatever, I guess, they wanted from that. And it was just like, wow, what? And Nay says, um, you know, it's, uh, well, yeah, it's just one of those things What I, I feel as though that, that kind of, that that anecdote just really, for me, captures that band. Um, so we might get into the actual review. Um, did anyone want to add anything to that before I get, dive in? Uh, good anecdote. Great anecdote. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Was. Yeah. Um, okay, so this, uh, was, I guess we were six years in the waiting for this um, this follow-up record. Well, I mean, you could say it was six years, but, you know, um, they brought out Crossfire, I think was the solo album, and obviously... Needle, Needleport. Needle, sorry, Needleport, Crossfire, that's, that's Putback's album. Needleport, um, and um, and Simon did the Natalie Slade album last year, which was which was one of our albums of the year. And I guess there's also the, um, the Sweeping Duck stuff, and... Mm-hmm. Whatever else they do, so I guess that you would, you know, they're being doing stuff. It's not like absolutely, you know, yeah. and I, you know, and, and Nay does talk a little bit about some of the battles. Uh, and Simon obviously plays in the putbacks with Mick as well. Yep. Um, so there's a heap of stuff. I guess they all they do. did a lot of touring as well, of and, course, and a lot of touring. Yep. And they do talk a little bit about in some of the interviews, some, you know, as to some of the delays that are, that have taken place. And Nay's quite, you know, um, candid in relation to some of the health battles that she had to, uh, you know, overcome, which. Um, knocking, knock on wood, uh, she's in, in good shape with that and, and other personal things that had passed. But I think um, we get to this record and, well, where to, where to start? I mean, I might, I might start, uh, you know, and really let's open this up rather than kind of a, a shot for shot. Um, mm. For me, I loved it. Um, it was, you know, there's something about like a third record where you kind of feel like the first record introduces the band, the second record, you know, maybe it's like they need to like be better than their first record. But then the third, this one, you know, you'd you, you'd hoped it would be, and it was like it's almost like the self-titled record. It's it's the record where you go, this is the band, this is this is what they do so brilliantly, and um, and I loved it. Um, I might just go through my favorite songs. Um, uh, we go gentle. Is it? And we go gentle. Um, yeah. To me, like I just instantly fell in love with that song. Um, it it felt really free of any overthinking, and given like the kind of pedigree of the players in the band, for 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 just such a just awesome groove to just like kick in and not be overthought. To me, I you know, I love it. Um, 
You know, I guess it, it's hard to speak about this record without thinking about how many people have been kind of trying to chase that complex sound of the band. So when it kind of comes back to, to the core, to yeah. this really simple groove, and it's not a simple groove, it's just like the right groove. It makes you wonder, like all of the internal monologue, all the internal discussions that might happen in a group of such brilliant musicians, is like, do we commit to something that's like this? Just this. It's not super proggy or or that complex. Could have, that could have been a year conversation, Aaron. right? It Who could knows? have been. It could have something been something so simple. Yeah, could but have. you know, I just like you know, it, it, it's mastery to just nail a tempo and a groove, and and that song to me was just ridiculously good. Um, Get Sun which is the one we just heard the bed of. Just such an explosive start. And I think it was the first thing that we heard from yeah, this new single. record. Yeah, yeah. And again, just like so fucking cool that they've just counted it in with a stick click and those drums just sound just unreal. And the strings. And so the strings. Good. And I was going to say like, you know, and, and I think you hear Arthur Varakai's arrangements at the beginning of the record as well and then also in the middle and at the end. And... He comes from a different generation, and you can hear that classic. Yeah, the Tropicalia. Just, it's so brilliant, and it and it just sits so well in the in the actual record. But it's this brilliant classic kind of way of hearing melody that you know it, it it's so that that time that era and that generation, and I, I think they just managed to showcase that so beautifully. Um, my favorite track of the album was Stone or Lavender. I just love it. Um, and then, you know, that sent me on a kind of a, like a sort of deep dive into, I was like, oh, you know, it's it's just really just um, Simon Maven and Nay. So it, you, it makes you go, oh, okay, so who wrote this song? And then I went into the credits and and then I went through all the credits of the record and every song is written by Hiatus Cody and produced by Hiatus Cody. And that to me, for a band that has like been sampled by Kendrick and, Anderson Park and Beyonce, <laughs> like the yeah. fact that, that it just sits in that, yeah. to me just says something. Like it's a very, very profound and big statement because all those cats over in LA would just be looking through the credits, going, "Who wrote that? You know, how am I going to sample that for my record? Yeah. And who do I need to contact?" And then it just looks like to me a, a band that just like are like you know a family. So you know, I was really that that was just an interesting point that I, I'd kind of picked up. As I was kind of doing that same shitty behaviour of going to the credits. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have to these days. Yeah, that's, um, that's what we do. And then I guess uh, my other favourite song was "Spark and Tape." I think that's what it was called, or "Sparkle and Tape." I have to double check that. Um, Sparkle tape breakup. Sparkle tape breakup. And I just get the feeling that that sample, that song in particular, is going to actually get sampled yeah. by literally everybody. That's yeah. what I wrote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It already and that, sounds like a sample. It, it already sounds like a sample. And like whatever the hell Simon Maven was doing f- to create that sound on that synth was just absolutely bananas. So that's all from me. Um, Mick, perhaps you want to ta- give, give us your thoughts. Um, yeah, cool. Uh, well, a lot of what you've already said, like it's when, when listening to this and, and because – because of my personal connection, obviously, with Simon and 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 having some little insight into into their how they you know their creative process, um, it is it is really you know with all the things that we're sort of looking at today, like you you really can listen to this album and and hear the four individuals, you know, and mm. and that you know it is it is really great and and the fact that. Yeah, this is album number three, and they've been through all the experiences that they've been through, and and it, they just really do sound stronger 
than than they have, you know. Um, Certainly, really cohesive. Yeah, I found the album. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and and perhaps that got that has something to do with the fact that you know, I, I do personally know that yeah, Maven just thrives in the studio environment. Like you know, he thrives in the live environment as well. But yeah, I can you know I can I can almost um. I can almost recognise yeah. what's going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah, totally. I've, I've sort of I've been there with him when all that's going on. You're in, breaking in the, it down. In you can the break the songs down. Who's done? You can hear what he's oh, done or his input. Just sort of see. I can I can just hear the excitement in in just trying to do whatever they want. Yeah. You know, and and you know, like that that sort of level of creativity, like and and the kind of. Um, the focus and the intention and and the enthusiasm like it's it's really strong you know and and like they seriously like peak out with these crazy musical ideas and yeah you know i, I can share this like i remember going to the to the grove and and walking into that front studio where where it's just you know a wall of synths yeah. like your your synth display is impressive here don't get me wrong. No, we only have to look at the um, Natalie Slade um, clip. Oh, yeah, of course. You've seen um, that, yeah. yeah. So you know the room. It's yeah. just yeah. Yeah. insanity. I remember, yeah, I remember walking into that room and like fucking, you know, Bender's just going like, whoa, and, and Maven's like, whoa, you know, and they've basically plugged everything in. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All going at once. Everything's going at yeah. once. And, yeah, I can see that the, the, they're in record mode and they're just like fucking... Ah, they couldn't talk properly because they were just like you know getting something down, and like yeah, I think I read in a in an interview with Maven the other day is like he was really excited and about I don't I can't even did he change something yeah, up? Yeah, he did already? something yeah, he and he up six it. I don't, I don't know what he did. I read that as well. He, I don't know what he did and he admitted it and and you know often Maven talks about this stuff and I just go wait why why are you talking about man? But anyway, great <laughs> sounds awesome. Um, and yeah, and so I can I can hear that on this record, and there are there are some phenomenal sounds. Yeah. Like it's fucking it's so impressive, mm. and and yeah that um that track that you were talking about like a sparkle tape. Yeah, like yeah, it, it it immediately sounds like it's already on you know someone huge's track. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Hopefully, someone really huge. <laughs> well, you know, and all the power to them. I, I think. Agreed. Yeah. Um. I think my favorite tune was uh, favorite tunes were um, "Chivalry Is Not Dead." Yep. I, I just think that's a fucking banger. Yeah. Like, yeah. So it's so funky. That was my debate topic in Year Twelve. "Chivalry Is Not Dead." Was it? Right. I was. Uh, were you on? Were I, you on the um, affirmative the or the negative? I was arguing for the affirmative. Oh my god! Took a bunch of flowers down to a girl from another school <laughs> in the in the. Uh, in my opening monologue. Oh, look at you. Chivalry's not dead. It was not dead. <laughs> I, I think that's actually what that song was about. <laughs> you, that, that, you know, they must have copped the VHS of your debate performance in what town was it was? Oh, uh, we were um, we were arguing against uh, Birchip High. Okay. <laughs> and uh, had to wear the school tie for the first time oh in my life. That was third speaker. Anyway, we lost, but that's okay. I think it was home ground advantage that lost it for <laughs> yeah. us. But anyway, sorry, Mick, keep going. My, my daughter <laughs> started debating. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's a good skill to learn. I, I reckon it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, chivalry is not dead. Chivalry is not dead. Yeah, great song. Uh, um, and I also, and we go gentle. I also really like that. Um, uh, you know, rose. Uh, sorry, red room. Yeah, I love. Mm. I lo- I love red room. And I was going to say this, like, you know. By the time we got to Red Room, I was I was ready 
I needed red room to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just to calm it down. Just yeah, because like, be you know, and and perhaps this has something to do with the fact that they are like you know, like really such strong creative voices. Is is there is so much detail in their sound. Mm. Um, and yeah, so by by this stage in the album, I was like, oh man, my ears were like, okay, okay, that that's actually really good. I always say in like, you know, like we've, I've talked about before, I always say there's a moment in the album when you need to open up the window and let the fr- <laughs> fresh breeze come through yeah. just to sort of give yourself yeah. A, yeah. a moment to reset yeah. and keep totally, going. Totally. How good was that? How was that like fucked up sub thing going on in Red Room? Was it in Red Room or you just, or maybe it was, a, a, I'm just trying to think. There's yeah. one bit where like the, the, it goes from like a band kind of I don't sound. I that one. Okay. It was in Red Room. I'll find it later. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you know, and with with all the sounds, I, I was particularly blown away by Nay. I think on this album, really like, I, I think she just sounds in, amazing. Like they they all sound amazing. Bender's bass playing sounds incredible. Um, on uh, Shivery is not dead. Like mm. that's just that's just awesome playing. And and but isn't it the one with the slapping? Yeah, yeah. This like, looks just so cool. Like just so bold to just go. You know, is. that's what I'm going to do. Totally. And that's yeah. Like you know, Bender plays bold, and that's what's so great about. The way he plays, you know, mm. he's so strong. I was sort of thinking, like, he doesn't get enough props, I reckon, as a as a bass player, because well, he. That, you know, the song on Off Cheesy Weapons where he does that sort of two octave arpeggiated down thing. I heard them do that the first time. Right. I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> this is fucking insanity. Yeah, and I I, I just think I, he's an incredible bass I player. I spend my my working days <laughs> teaching students. How to play that stuff? Yeah, Oh man, like yeah, it's it's really interesting, like. It's really interesting because I do some teaching at Box Hill and also I've been doing some stuff at VCAS and it's in all the recital programs wow. of, of the young kids today. It's it's Incredible. it's fucking awesome. That's awesome. Do they get to do they ever get a chance to like because with the recital stuff don't they do like a like a kind of analysis of it? Do they ever get a chance to like uh, ask Bender how he did stuff? No, no, I I haven't seen that. But okay. that, that would be that would be cool. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and yeah, but getting back to Nay, like yeah, she does. She does sound so so strong. Like she's her her ideas are, you know, it's hard to find the right words. But like she's so incredibly creative. But they're also just like super interesting and really hip and really funky. Like like the band's got this this groove. Anyway, and then and then Nay is just like she just finds the the right places and the pocket and the, f- the phrases and everything. And, and she's quite poetic. Like there's, mm. I don't, there's some tune and I, I can't remember what it was. And, and she's sort of saying some things and I didn't really know what they were or what they meant, but it didn't matter because, you know, it's just, it was, it was po- poetry, you know? It really was. Yeah. Yeah. I just got a question, um, you know, like thinking about this band and, you know, I would say, and this might be just coming from like a, a place of ignorance or naivety, but, I kind of feel like Curtis Cody like musically do things on their their terms mm-hmm. in so much yeah, as sure. they make their records and if you like them you like them mm-hmm. and if you don't like them they'll make another record <laughs> and you know what I mean like it's just it's such a creative force um, I the the bit that I'm I'm really curious of is of course every artist is going to feel a kind of nerve you know I mean they talked about in their interview uh, um, you know artists often feel like this sense of anticipation or expectation for when they put out a record. But I, I, I kind of feel like with this band, th- th- somehow, by some way, th- th- they get to operate without that kind of industry 
kind of expectation of what that record's going to be. So maybe all the all the heads in the in the states would be really looking forward to this record. Maybe it's a different relationship over there. But had this come out and not been fucking amazing, people wouldn't shit on it. Like it would just kind of just be part of, you know. They're having a go. Having a go. We, um, <laughs> but I just don't, I think, I mean, like for a band that's been nominated for two Grammys um, and are, are, are so well revered internationally. Yeah, they, they operate outside of the um, established methods completely. of, of and it's, and how it's you're Melbourne supposedly supposed and, to do things. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I just, I'm such a fan. Such a big fan. Was I? It's like, how are you done, Mick? I could always talk more, but I I probably shouldn't. You go. No, whatever. No, 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 like, no. I, I feel like you know, you can riff off me. Just just take over whenever you <laughs> yeah. feel like it. Um, look, so like when the when the album came out, like it came out last Friday, Friday, two Fridays ago, and I was I was working in the studio in in Collingwood, and I thought, uh, I'm going to finish up early, and I'm going to go buy it on vinyl at at Northside. And like you know, it's always a good day when you can drop into Northside and and chat to the you know the Godfather Chris Gill and you know just wax lyrical and you know I walked in and he was on cloud nine, one because of hiatus, but two he just met the nephew of Bootsy Collins and he was just like he just was going on about that. But then we got to hiatus and he just said, look, you know, he got really emotional. Like it was just like, this is just like a great day, like for the scene, because people have come in that I haven't seen for a year. Um, Musos have come in that I just haven't, you know, because of COVID and everyone's just so excited about it. And, you know, just, there's no ego. They're just like, I want to, I want the album. I just want to buy it. I want to hear it. I want to listen to it. I want to love it. And it was, yeah, it was just really emotive, and I just I got totally got it. Like, because I was down there to do exactly that. Like, I want I want the vinyl, you know. I want to I want to listen to it. I'm I'm really excited, and like, you know, music doesn't do that for me that often, and mm. I love that that was happening. It was. It's almost like you know when when a new pair of Nikes go on sale and you totally. see a queue around the corner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> what it was. That's what it is to Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's you what know? it was for the for the the niche group of yeah. music lovers in this town. It <laughs> yeah. was a big day. Um, look, so look, I listened to it four times last Saturday, two on Spotify in the morning, then then I, in the afternoon I put it on the vinyl, yeah, and, you, and you hated it. <laughs> Okay, I had to listen to it four times just to like it. Um, no, that's not true. Um, so the comment my partner made was that it sounds very the same as their last one. And that like it sort of made me stop and ponder. And then I started going through all these experiences I've had with this band. Remember I was listening to it at work one day when is it Choose Your Weapons? That's that's what the first second album second is called. One. And this girl who sits behind me, like my PA, is just sort of she never says anything to me about the music I play. She she just turned around and said, Can you turn this off? And I'm like, What? Like she's going, I I can't stand it. And I'm just like, What? Are you serious? This is incredible. Like and I'm just like, Okay, I'll turn it off. Like she was so forceful about wow. it. And I also remember a night that they were playing at that is it, was it Hugs and Kisses? Is that the name of a club that was in the in like in a weird spot? Isabel. In Mel is this really weird club that was going for a while in um up the north end of the city. And they were playing songs off Choose Your Weapon and they hadn't played for ages. And I went and as the gig went like there was heaps of hype. Like it was the hype had hit it was fully there. And um as the gig went on I was at the back and then I progressively could walk closer and closer to the stage as people were sort of like 
going back to the bar and just sort of tuning out and just like they weren't getting the music. They were there for the hype of the band. Mm. I was just like, oh, this is incredible. That's not her band to do that, you know, that descending arpeggiator thing. And I was just like, oh, my God, it's crazy. And by nearly halfway through the set, I was at the front. I was just like, this is weird. Like, so, so like, I I think that this is a band that, like, they're not going to ever going to be universally liked because they're so complex and, you know, so different in how they approach things. It's not like in a standardized way of doing music. So, like, for me, I just think they're brilliant. So, but in my head, I have to understand that that's, that's a thing that, you know. Yeah. They're not a it, band that that are going to get that sort of billions of plays on Spotify because it's just so... Yeah, it's funny you say that. It's kind of like, you know when you get really enthusiastic about something and you and you just want to like show it to everyone and, you know, like take like... I'm just trying to think like Anderson Pack sampled Hyder's Coyote, right? Yeah. Um, I'm a lot on, on it, right? And, yeah, and Anderson Pack has that universalness, right? So he samples them... And he's just kind of like, no one goes, oh, I fucking can't stand Anderson Pack. People just get down with Anderson Pack. Mm. But you're right. Like, if I was to play this record to a bunch of my friends, they'd be like, this is kind of cool. You yeah. know what I mean? But yeah. then, you know, but then you, know, you put it in like a fucking echo chamber, like in here, and we're like, oh my God, this is <laughs> yeah. amazing. Yeah. Ah! yeah, it's for the heads. Um, yeah, but, but, but it's also not for the heads because like Needle Poor, like, you know, which is, you know, songs that were on the last two records is literally in every single cafe mm. in Melbourne. Like, yeah. people cannot get enough of that record and, and that songwriting. So, I don't know, just an interesting one. Anyway, so I went through all that in my head and then I'm like, does it sound the same as the last album? Like, of course it does and I'm good with that. That's like totally fun. Like I want that. Um, well, no, I think there's, you know, elements of it that, you know, you know, they they haven't got a million miles away from what they do, which is fucking amazing. Nor should they. And why wouldn't I want more of that? Like, mm. I want that. Um so like as Mick was sort of sort of saying before, like I, I just thought it was more filtered and more cohesive than like Choose Your Weapon, which was just like, you know, a palette of like everything that they can do and this one mm. was was just more more filtered down. Um and I love that when you dig down into this band's music, like like I think at the very heart of like each tune is like a soul song. Like like they're they're really soulful. And so like for all the craziness and like the you know the tangents they go down, like it always leads back to to soul. I find um, so it's almost like they it's almost like I think that they identify where the heart of each song is when they start, and so they, then they wrap a warm blanket around it, and then they go off in their direction, knowing that where the warm place is to come back to. Like it just feels like that to me. Um, it's funny you say that. Uh, I'm gonna there's, there's there was this comment in one of the, in the interview which I think was. Answered so brilliantly and really captured the essence of the band. And um, it was like an American interview. And the American interviewer kind of was like, you know, you guys have dig into that soul world, um, which is, you know, predominantly black music. How do you how do you reconcile that as, you know, a bunch of white Australians? Um, which is, you know, so it's such a big question, you know, in 2020, 2021. Um, and Bender answers it just like, like a, just a total music nerd and he talks about his experience I think studying in, at a university in Miami. And he says that basically all of his teachers were like, go find your favorite music. Tr- like if, if, if you love it, transcribe it, 
learn it, Im- like embody it, get it into your cells, and then express yourself. And and that's exactly what he did. And he's done that in kind of you know a range of musical styles. And like those kind of heavy hitting kind of teachers would be the ones that would have encouraged that kind of you know what what a journo might call appropriation mm. a muso might just call like hardcore study yeah and um it's just a it's just a really really interesting take on something that like when you're in something and you're a student of art you approach something in a certain way but a critic who is just all about thoughts and words sees something completely differently and i, I thought it was, you know i'm just as you talk about that soul element, it just um, it, it brought that that piece in the interview up. Speaking of critics, like just shout out to the Guardian who gave it a six out of ten, whatever. Um, yeah, whatever. So look, really for me, there's not much else to say. Like it's dropped the needle, bliss out. Um, my favorite songs, like you know, as you said, I I thought Stone and Lavender, Stone All Lavender, felt like you know a gospel hymn, and I just thought it was pretty close to perfection. Um, when I've heard it the first time, I just stopped and I thought, fuck, this is a mm. moment. Um, I really loved Red Room, like, and Get Sun. Look, it's all they're all incredible. Um, the only the only criticism I would have is the album's not long enough. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so look, you know, the, it just it just makes me happy that you know we've been given this beautiful gift that you know helps you through the mundaneness of life. And I, it was just really nice to go to Northside, have a moment of listening to the record on, well, you know, last Saturday, and just just loving loving life. Loving this band and, and loving this album. So, unless anyone else has got anything else to say, I think we're about we're about at that moment to take it to the rating scale. So, each week on the All Music Is Good podcast, we have an unofficial podcast sponsor. It is a sponsor that has had no uh, communications with the podcast. Uh, doesn't has not actually really contributed anything in material value to the podcast, but we like to shout them out nonetheless because they've been a part of our own personal journey to get to our regular Sunday night slash Monday night podcast taping. And was this one's for you, and it's also for me, mm-hmm. and it's also for Danny Faruja because this week's unofficial podcast sponsor is. Sean T T25 Workout. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Sean T. So, Sean T, born May 2nd, 1978, is an American fitness trainer. He's best known for his home fitness programs for adults and children, which includes T25, Insanity, Ooh, yeah. Hip Hop Abs, Ooh. Size, and Let's Get Up. Ooh. Born as Sean Thompson in Camden, New Jersey, he grew up in Philadelphia and was raised by his grandparents in Deepford Township, New Jersey, where he enjoyed football, baseball and running track as a student at Detroit Township High School. He received a bachelor's degree in exercise science from Rowan University, where he also minored in theatre and dance. He's a member of Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity and he lives in Phoenix, Arizona. Did he join the Marines? Uh, I don't know. I thought he was in the Marines. Well, all I can do is basically give you guys a bit of a snapshot of Sean T. But before I do that, I I just wanted to just make mentions. So basically, uh, lockdown happened last year and uh, I was kind of wondering what I could do to kind of stay stay in shape. And once I was like, oh, dude, T25, Sean T, total ab workout. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's like, bro. You got to get onto this. You got to get onto this. So he sends me um, Alpha. 
He sends me alpha. Mm. Oh, God. Not really? <laughs> Sorry. He sends me Alpha, right, which is apparently the beginner's version of the T25 total workout. And um, and lo and behold, that got me through all of lockdown. And ever since I do it with my girlfriend, we do T25. Do you follow Tanya? I love Tanya. Yeah. I mean, Tanya, Tanya's solid. Yeah. If you want you to know? do the easy, easy one, you follow Tanya. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I love Tanya. Mm. And um, yeah, T- basically. Tanya's I- had a baby. Did she? Well, that's what he says quite often okay. on the workout. Look at Tanya, she's had a baby. Can you believe it? Look at her body. Oh, my it's, God. It's she looks ridiculous. great. She does look great. Um, so bizarre. And anyways, I did, I did a T25 workout before we came here today. Oh. And, uh, and and as it turned out, Which when one? we uh, I did the, the alpha abs. Oh, okay. Um, that's kind of just uh, that's where I kind of hang out. I mean, uh, what about total body circuit? No, nah, you've only given me three, was it? Haven't I? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm waiting for be- for be- beta. You want beta, beta, beta. Yeah. Good to you tonight. Yeah, thank you. Um, so we did a podcast taping with Danny Frugia the other day, and there he is. He fucking drops the bomb, and he's like, "Oh, bro, him and Kieran Monroe, so Kieran, um, not Kieran Monroe, uh, Kieran Conroe, mm. um, used to do the T25 and all the Sean T stuff on tour, mm. and I think it's a bit like this little secret thing that's been been passing around." Um, the Melbourne music scene. I think Farouk so, was doing Insanity. He was doing Insanity. And yeah. he also, yeah, he said Insanity 30. But look, just to give you guys a little snapshot of um, what what uh, what the T25 is, I thought I'd just uh, share a little bit of it. And the music... Yeah. Work it. Focus. So this is what you exercise to? Yes. Yeah. It gets the beat going in the background too. Yeah. Hey, what's up? This is T25 Alpha Ab Intervals. All right, guys, get down. We're going to focus it's on like the core. We're going aerobic to Charles style plank in, in the 21st century. That's right. so, now, Charles Pose, now so just go into plank position. Push your heels so. back. Focus on the core. Squeeze your glutes. And you know, down. through the lockdown, I got into the, the uh, Joe Wicks workouts. John Wicks? Joe Wicks. Oh, Joe Wicks. Yeah. <laughs> an English guy who talk us through that, man. An English guy who, uh, during the lockdown, get, put free workouts out online. Okay, are these free? Uh, they're not free. Doesn't, that doesn't sound like they're no, free. No, they are not Joe free. Wicks, Joe Wicks, you know, honourable guy. Mm. Uh, through the entire lockdown, as as when kids couldn't be at school, he he would do a free workout every morning, like a live workout on YouTube wow. at like nine a.m. Yeah, it was really cool. That's great. Anyway, he got. Was it more uh, for parents or for kids? It was for e- e- everybody. Right. It was for everybody. That's great. And he got like he got like a you know millions of people at once mm. working out all over the world. In in Australia, it was like sort of between uh, it was around five six o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. Wow. And um, we had a few goes at home, but I actually stuck with it. And. Yeah, so weird. Well, so in this bizarre socialist world that you live in, Mick, where you get free workouts hey, on YouTube. Well, yeah, um, well, that's amazing. You know, I mean, I just want to quickly make mention that Joe Weeks is not the unofficial podcast sponsor. <laughs> no, no, I mean, what are you doing, man? Sorry, <laughs> it is Sean T. Well, <laughs> but, the reason why I brought that—you had your microphone pointed at the music, so I was like, I've got to put some filler in here. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. But look, Joe Weeks. Um, also, maybe next week. Uh, absolutely, maybe next week. Um, but I, I will tell you a quick story. I I, uh, I realised that you know because I, I sent an urgent message to Waza and uh, Danny actually a, a couple of weeks ago, going you know I need a new fix, I need a new hit. Um, I'm I'm done with Alpha. And then you know Danny was like, oh, 
you know, I can't, he's like, apparently there was like a terabyte worth of, you know, workout videos and he's like, I can't upload that. And then, and Wiser was like, I'll give you the beta and he, ne- and he never did. I thought, I didn't know, I missed that conversation. Well, no, you know, you were definitely in on that conversation. S- says and Wiser with a mouthful <laughs> of cheeses. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to hide that. <laughs> that's why, that's why I never got the beta. But anyways, I went on to Sean T's website after deciding that he was going to be this year's, this um, mm-hmm. week's pod sponsor and... Mm-hmm. Um, and then I signed up to this. He's got an app, wow. right? And mm. then I paid for it. Mm. And then fucking, I can't log into the app. Oh no! How much did you pay? I paid like fifteen bucks. Well, that's so probably I've, just to get the app. Now no, you no, have no, to no, pay no, no, for no. I've emailed. I emailed oh, Sean okay. T. So I'll I'll keep you guys posted. Oh yeah. What's he um, like with getting back to you? Uh, well, let's wait and see, you okay. know, but... He'd have a team. He'd have a... No, he does. He's got legals. In fact, I think I went straight to legals. Um, <laughs> anyways... Probably in Cancun at his house in Cancun. No, he's not in Cancun. He's got, a, he's got a prop. He lives on a golf course in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, okay. And he talks a lot about that. He goes, not everybody, you know, can live on a golf, golf course in Phoenix, Arizona, but, you know, he doesn't do it for the money. Um, your Sean T accent's definitely not as good as your Bodie accent. No, it's not as good as my Bodie accent. Mm. But look, let's get to the rating scale. Um, I mean, I might just start. How many app? How many sit ups you can do? How many sit ups <laughs> you can do? That that could work. Or yeah, I mean, was it? Uh, oh my god, what do they even call the leg things? Oh, the, oh those crunches. Um, how long what you about? Go? Oh, you know what we've got to do? Cardio recovery. Okay. <laughs> what about the stretch work down at the end? Oh, the oh. Stretch warm down. Warm down. I'd say cardio recovery. That's definitely the bit that I most enjoy. Oh, um, this is a hard one. Hmm. Abs. How many abs do you have? <laughs> how long will they take? How long? How many days does Eric wait to the? How many? How many till they get back to him? Yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. How many days do I have to wait until I get a response from Sean T's yeah, legal team? I agree. In nice. relation to my new subscription, that's perfect. There we go. So, what's the top end? It's got to be ten. Please be ten this week. No. I can't do sixteen to two three hundred and twenty-seven again. Okay. I spend no, no, my no. half so now working at the race. I would say basic. No, but simply put, mm. if he gets back to me tomorrow, that's one day. That's the top score. Oh, okay. Reverse score. So okay, right. Yeah. If it takes him ten days, that's the lowest score. Yep, okay. So we're just going a standard yep. Z- standard 10. Zero to 10. Yeah. Zero to 10, but one being the highest yeah. score because, okay. you know, this is All Music is a Good Podcast. So it's one out of 10 is the best. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now we should not say 11 then because then that's a, a set 10. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good idea. Okay. Phew. One out of 11. Right. One, one day 11. is the top score. Yep. 11 is the lowest score. All right. All right. Okay. I might go first. Okay. Um, I'm... I'm just gonna go there. I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go there. I'm gonna give this a two, a two out of eleven. Um, when you say you're gonna go there, <laughs> you're sort of like <laughs> indicating that you're going somewhere else. Sorry, I'm gonna give them a two. No, no, I'm gonna give them. I know it's a two for me. This is definitely this is definitely easily one of the best records I've heard this year. Mm. I'm gonna listen to it all year. I cannot wait for the live shows. Sadly. We were meant to see that live show yeah. the Friday gone. I don't want to talk about it. Um, but we'll see it in September. And no, apparently the tickets were sold out when I went to get them, dude. Are you so serious? I can't go. Mick, you're a dick. Sort us out. I'm not a dick. <laughs> all right, just hold up. So basically, the story goes like this, right? I was the, the tickets went on sale for the hiatus show, and was, and I'm like, was get your tickets? He's like, oh yeah, I'll get onto it. I'll get onto it. In the meantime, a mate who's like really, I've got like organised ticket friends, you know those the, that type where they like get tickets really early. So I get this. I get this text going. Are you going to the highest Co- Cody show? Can you get tickets? So I get three. I get one for my girlfriend, one for my mate, one for me. I'm like, "Was well, get a ticket?" He's like, "Oh no, I'll get my ticket later." Blah, blah, blah. 
Anyways, my mate um, then says, oh, I'm going to be away. Pulls out. I'm like, was, have you got your tickets? He's like, oh, no, it's been good this week. Why do you Anyways, say it like that? I wasn't talking like that. I, I was obviously really like busy that. at work. You were busy at work. Yeah. Anyways, I've given was that ticket, right? Yeah. Um, for the Friday that's just gone. I said, thank you, Eric. And he goes, thank you, Eric. And, then, he, and awesome. then and legitimately slept, you know, like he slept on getting more tickets because he didn't need more tickets because he had a ticket. But then because the the uh. rescheduling, it was only right of me to just check in with my mate originally. Is it though? Is it though? Uh, I think it's, I think it's right. Yeah. It's right. really, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, yeah. I can, yeah. You know, because yeah. he, he had the original ticket, so I've called him. I'm like, hey, I don't shows feel like moved. there's consensus. Well, I can, I can relate to that because, um, yeah, the shows were supposed to happen last week. Yeah, but originally they were moved to this week. That's right. Yeah, this, right. Yeah. And you were going to be and I couldn't do them. Oh shit! So right. I, I actually because Emma book, Donovan booked, and Paul booked, a, were playing booked a Deptford. 22 hours. Wow. And then and then the dates got moved and then I had to say to the to the bass players, oh, look. Oh, but going? that's okay. That's different. Yeah. To like giving the ticket away <laughs> and then taking it back. <laughs> well, it's, it's sort of the same but not really. Yeah. Well, anyways, so right now Waza is ticketless. So yeah. if anyone out there yeah. wants to well, help him you, get a show, yeah, hook get, me up. Get, get a ticket. Hook me up, people. Friday, fr- the Friday show, please. Yes. Fuck Podcast off, Podcast world. Hey, you know, I, I'm trying to please everybody I here. I could put it? you on the door maybe, Waza. There you well, go. Vic, that would be amazing. Oh, right. you you heard it. It's getting published. This is going to print. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's going to do what he did to the bass player. He's going to take it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll take it back. <laughs> 22 it's hours like a Seinfeld. It's, it's like, like a, it was. I said I It's could, like, but. you can't take it back, Jerry. <laughs> I took it back. It's totally a Seinfeld episode. Um, all right. So I've, I've, I've led with a two out of 11. Okay. I'm going to go there, like Eric did, and give it a one out of 11. Oh, that's fucking that's awesome. Our, that's our first one out of 11 for the year. This is our first 10. I've only done it once before and I feel like I should play some theme music under it, which I will put in. You should. I'll put in, uh, I'll think of something to put what was in. The other, what was the other top score? Uh, uh, I gave, <laughs> I've got a good one. Eric thinks it's ridiculous, but I gave Logic's album um, uh, 10 out of 10 last year. Um, I just thought it was genius. Nice. But no one else went with me on it. But that's okay. I just thought it was incredible. Um, this, this one, Take It to the Limits, probably a good song. No, I've got one. I've got one. What's the one that goes the old Channel 7 theme song? Dun, dun, dun. Oh, true. Yeah, dun, yeah. Dun, that dun, is a good dun. one. What's that? Well, that band yeah, yeah, yeah. in the... Uh, yeah, the Channel 7 grand final music. Stadium in Canada. I love that. Put that in. Okay, I'll put that in. Um, Mick. I'm going to go a three. All right. Ooh. One, two, three. One, two, three. So that's pretty good. I think that's going to make it into the album. I reckon that's going to be right up there. That is Hiatus Cody's record, Mood Valiant. And we'll be back with our second record for the week. There we go. So our second album for the week is from US act Mr. Bungle and the album is titled The Night They Came Home. And it's a live album. And it's a live album. So on the 30th of October 2020, Mr. Bungle released their first studio album since 1999, The Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny Demo, 
which was a re-recording of the band's 1986 high school thrash metal demo, along with songs written then but never recorded. The album features original members Mike Patton, Trey Sprance, and Trevor Dunn, joined by Scott Iron of Anthrax and Dave Lombardo of Slayer slash Dead Cross. On, um, on the 31st of October 2020, the band celebrated the release with a massive live stream event the night they came home. The event featured a full live show and opening set by America's funny man Neil Hamburger, plus cameos from musicians and celebrities such as Eric Andre and Josh Homme of Queens of the Stone Age. So a bit of a history about Mr. Bungle, and uh, you know, please correct me if I if I misstep here. I'm, I'm looking in I'm your watching, direction. I'm watching Mick. you very closely. <laughs> Are you saying you didn't bring this album in tonight, Eric? Are you saying you didn't suggest this <laughs> no, album? No, it's just uh, suggested by someone it, else. Yeah. So it's Trace Bruins Tra- and it's Scott Ian. Okay, thank you, Mick. Okay. <laughs> so Mr. Bungle emerged after its members were kicked out of their respective previous bands. It was kind of like a merger between two bands. Mike Patton recalled. One really horrible gothic metal band, which our guitarist and our original drummer were in, and one really horrible metal band, which did Metallica covers, which is the one Trevor and me come, came from. Mr. Bungle initially described themselves as a death metal band, but also dabbled in speed metal, which I've never heard that as a genre before, thrash metal and hardcore punk. The members came very close to naming the band Summer Breeze before settling on the name Mr. Bungle. The Mr. Bungle name was inspired by a 1950s propaganda film that they had seen as a segment of the Pee Wee Herman show. The members previously used the name to refer to fellow classmate to a fellow classmate that they thought to be a total goober before <laughs> adapting goober. it as the band name. Within a year of formation, the band expanded their sound to include Scar. Trevor Dunn uh, noted that after about a year, we got tired of playing speed metal and wanted to do something a little bit more creative. So we just stopped and started writing our own style of music, which was influenced by bands like Camper Van Beethoven, Oingo Boingo, Bad Manners and kind of funky Scar-oriented stuff. Then we added a two-piece horn section and a new drummer, so now we don't really have any kind of limit on the music we play. Trevor Spruance uh, corroborated this. Sorry, am I pronouncing it correctly? Yep. Uh, when I was 15, I was in a death metal group, Spruance Reminisced. We had this idea we were going to play a bunch of Scar tunes for a bunch of metalheads. We just had this idea, you know, okay, we're going to play this Scar music, that'll be amazing. Half the audience hated us, but there was definitely a joy in confronting the wall between styles. This is all taken off the internet, so you can look up a little bit more. But um, Mr. Bungle played their first show uh, during November 1985 at the Bayside Grange Hotel. The band's first demo, The Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny, was recorded during Easter of 1986. It featured a fast, lo-fi death thrash sound with touches of scar. Instruments utilised on the album included a train whistle, recorded during uh, sorry, a saxophone, banjo and a kazoo. The Raging Wrath of Easter Bunny was followed in 1987 by the Bowl of Chile demo. It featured a much greater scar presence as well as the sounds of jazz, swing and funk. Um, and in 1988, Mike Patton became the lead vocalist of San Francisco's Faith No More, getting the job after the band heard him on the first two Mr. Bungle demos. Patton continued to be... That was mem- pretty controversial at the time well, too. Yeah, let's talk about that in a minute. Um, Patton continued to be a member of both bands simultaneously and Mr. Bungle released uh, OU818. Is that right? Yep. Um, their final demo tape in 1989. OU818 was the first release to feature both tenor sax player Clinton Barr McKinnon and drummer 
Danny Heifetz and contained re-recorded songs from their earlier demos as well as several new tracks. At the time of this release, Mike Patton described Mr. Bungle as a weirdo funk band. So that's a little bit about Mr. Bungle. Um, I might defer to people that are more familiar with Bungle than myself. So Mick... Yeah, thanks. You um, you've you've uh, recalled like the early stuff. Like yes. that's that's all the. So so after Patton joined Faith No More, um, and if you remember in the film clip to Epic, yep. yeah, he's wearing a Mister Bungle T-shirt. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so they got you know, and he would only sign a deal unless Mister Bungle that's right got picked up as well. Yes, so Mister right. Bungle ended up being signed by Warner Brothers. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And I've read a bit about it, and throughout their entire... So they did three albums with Warner Brothers, their first self-titled, uh, which was like in 1990, and then Disco Volante in 95, and then the last album that they did, California, which was like late <laughs> 90s, maybe 2000. That would have definitely been the most successful, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, sure, with that kind of a name. Yeah, California guarantees you <laughs> success. Um, uh, yeah. But they, from what I've read, like the label just didn't go near them because they just didn't sort of think that it was necessary and you know I don't know Warner Brothers was such a huge label that you know they didn't need to well, bother worrying ca- about this band how do you categorise them yeah I mean, yeah yeah, yeah. so so fortunately they've just got to keep releasing this music and I don't know yeah I just yeah, remember right. at the time that um, when Faith No More came to Australia it must have been like 95 or something I'll tell you exactly when it was it was <laughs> it was the um, Fuck, what was that festival? It was like Liver the festival. No, 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 no. It only happened once. Uh, Lu- Alternative Nation. Alternative Correct. Nation. Yeah, yeah. Alternative Nation. And well, it was, was pissing that. down at Olympic Park. Yeah, right. And um, But the whole thing was you were either Bungle or Faith No More. You totally. Were, you weren't right. both. And right. like if you were like, if you were you, in, if you, you were, were Bungle. That's right. But if you weren't in and you were just like a Johnny Come Lately, you were yeah, like yeah, Faith yeah, No More. Yeah, 100%. You, you liked Easy uh, and you liked Epic and I you was, were done. I was definitely a Faith No More guy. Yeah, me too. I was Come <laughs> I mean, I, I was a Johnny come lately. I'm just trying to remember, like, because, like, for me, like, like Bungle lived in like the Primus world. To totally, me. like it yeah. was that fucking mm. mental yeah. shit that, like, I don't know. Like, I just remember, like, it, 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 like my memories is bongs and Bungle <laughs> as a teenager. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like that should be the name of the next album. Primus or Bongs and Bungle. <laughs> yeah, it was right. one of the two. It was one of the two. <laughs> it was one is that of the how two. you understood it? Was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But Mick, look, you brought this record in. Yeah. Um, t- talk us. I mean, yeah. well, all right. We'll, talk us through. Like, I mean, y- what, 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 what made you go? This is the one. This is the one that I'm going to bring in. Bring in this week. Oh. Um, so many reasons. So many reasons. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think it's probably that. Well, actually, I'll say this: um, I could have chosen plenty of albums, mm. but the, I was I was worried that I'd choose albums that I didn't necessarily like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was like, idea. I want to choose an album that I like. All right. So I went with this. Yep. Yeah, and I should say this as well. Like this this album. So yeah, they they bungle. So with the raging wrath of the Easter Bunny demo, which came out last year, yep, the yep. backstory there, which is is really cool. Uh, so only Mike Patton, uh, Trevor Dunn, and Trace Bruins are on that album, but they enlisted the help of Scott Ian from Anthrax on on rhythm guitar, and Dave Lombardo from X Slayer, who also now plays in Dead Cross, and he's also kind of Dave, Dave Lombardo is now like kind of a bit of a session guy. He plays with like the misfits and yeah. suicidal tendencies and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So um, the, the gods, totally. Yeah. And and you know, from what I've read, 
in in talking about this album was when they originally wrote it as as kids, as teenagers, the bands that they loved were Slayer and Anthrax and and the whole kind of thrash metal thing. So so they had I guess they had the idea to do this. They they would only do this, like they would only reform as Mr. Bungle because after California when they disbanded everyone was like, You can't do that, you have to fucking play again. They were like, No, so, so, so I think they decided we're only going to do it unless if we have Dave Lombardo and Scott Ian playing with us. So um, and and re re recording this demo which they'd written wow twenty five years ago. Cool story. That that in itself is is a really cool concept. Um, at the start of two thousand and twenty, they started doing live gigs, wow. and they, they did a few shows. And it was just before COVID hit, and I, I was actually in in the states at the time. Um, and the night they played in LA was the night that I was flying out of LA to come oh, back home. No. And I, I remember like fl- your flight. I remember, I remember a couple You're of things. On the tarmac, yeah. I, I was to- it was very emotional. But I remember a couple of things. Like I remember thinking, shit's about to go down with COVID. Oh, right, like okay. it was happening. I, I, it was happening. Yeah, okay. And I was like, what? This- what month are we talking March. about? February. February. Oh, yeah, right, February. Okay. February of twenty twenty. Yeah. And and I was like. Bungle you know, or COVID? I mean, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, don't put me in this position. Kobe Bryant had just died as well. Oh, okay, yeah. And co- and COVID was about to, you know, break hell on the states. And just knowing what their health systems like, I remember thinking it's going to go down here really bad. And then I was thinking, I was thinking, and fucking Mr. Bungle are playing tonight. As I was flying out of <laughs> yeah. LA and looking down yeah, at the it's, city, it's carnage. It was really emotional. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was really emotional. This is apocalypse is happening right now. Yeah. <laughs> And so they so they did a couple of shows in LA and then a couple of shows in New York and then and then everything stopped. Yeah. So with the night they came home, they did a online concert on Hall- Halloween of 2020 last year. Yeah. And it was a ticket event, ticketed event, um, which I attended and purchased a ticket. And so with this album, like. Not only like what you've maybe you guys have just checked out the audio, mm. but there's I've actually I bought the Blu-ray as well. Oh wow! <laughs> oh, do you even have a Blu-ray player? Yeah, I do. I've got a, like a in in one like Blu-ray DVD thing. Wow! No Apple yeah. HD for Because you man. know, I, I, like just just to interject, like when I did my research, I was like, they're not fucking selling this on a streaming service. They're selling it as a DVD. Yeah, yeah. And Which when it first came out, they sold it as they sold a few as VHS. Yeah, oh, yeah. As, so I, I thought was, that was like an error, but clearly it wasn't. <laughs> no, like, that's so like, good. In actually, keeping with the twenty-five year, yeah, thing, yeah, 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 that's how you would put it on. But okay, so and the, audio, audio is good on VHS, just FYI. So you've got tape. that tape, tape. yeah, tape <laughs> compression. Tape. <laughs> compression. <laughs> um, but the, the the concert, I would say, the concert visually is actually kind of better than the album because. You have yeah Neil Hamburger at the front doing all of his jokes I've if, if you call them yep. jokes. Yeah. Um, and then between all of the songs, like oh well, you, you have all these interjections and and cameos from like yeah Henry Rollins and Josh Holmes and yeah and and a few other people. Um, but the other thing worth mentioning is that yeah Mr. Bungle are these three guys from a small town in 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 northern California in a town of Eureka so this concert was actually performed in the public library of of the Eureka public library wow. so so you've got like Dave Lombardo like just absolutely fucking going for it on the drums yeah. and and this really wall of metal kind of thrash metal sound and the backdrop is just like yeah, books, books. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. yeah. looks amazing <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> It looked amazing. I mean, the yeah. whole thing was just so fucking, like, such a it's weird so trip. Yeah. It's so bungle. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. It's great. But and and but you know, most of the music, you know, it's all thrash metal. Like they do do a few kind of crazy crazy things. They do a um a Van Halen cover at yeah, one stage. So, yeah, and because right? Eddie Van Halen had just passed away as yeah. well. So yeah, their closing song is a Eddie Van Halen tribute. So did you like it, Mick? I did. Yeah. I've I've, <laughs> I've gone straight into it, haven't I? Well <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess it, it's come across like you probably did like it a lot, but like what did you get out of it? Is there anything different that you you got well, out of it. Actually, I mean, you, yeah. you were mentioning, like in the break before, that you've been getting some. You got some bass lessons. I, I from- got a I got a Skype bass lesson with. Um, I wouldn't really call it a bass lesson. It was more like a hang, a bass a hang, hang. Yeah. hang with Trevor Dunn. It was another advantage of lockdown was because you know musos need work. So I was like, this could actually be a good time to con- contact people and to say, hey, I'll give you some money. Yeah. You want to yeah, yeah. hang out? <laughs> so how? What, like, talk us through the lesson. What was it like? Uh, um, it was more just were, you, of, was, were you in the waiting room or was he in the waiting room? <laughs> <laughs> no, he was very professional. He's very, very good with his email correspondence. I was, I was very impressed. American customer service. Totally. Well, yeah. You're a professional I, musician. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he was cool. Uh, it, to be honest, like it was, it was just a rave. Like I just had some specific sort of things I wanted to talk about. I, I won't go into too much detail about that. It was, it was, I was sort of like, you know, he doesn't talk it, about his bass or his lessons. It was, it was, was it like really fucking nerdy, or was it? Uh, it well, you know, because I've sort of followed Trevor Dunn's career as well, and and you know, he he's gone down the jazz path okay. in, in New York, so he's he's a quite well respected, wow. kind of you know, jazz guy, wow. and, and he kind of finds himself in in the more kind of avant-garde free kind of jazz areas which i have an interest in and and mm-hmm. so we're sort of focusing on on that and, and, also, and also just sort of compositional things so so kind of he does a lot of com- composing and and yeah isn't it amazing so i'm just actually on his um, wikipedia right he's got here a really and cool website and and one of the th- so his his website's quite interactive and he has this sort of um you know this. This he 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 encourages people to put questions forward, and then he he responds to them, um, and he gets a lot of attention from you know people that smoke bongs and <laughs> yeah. listen to bungle. So, but yeah. it's, I mean, it's just really interesting that like I mean, it's you know like I, like I'm I, like I'm going back to like the alternative nation kind of like lens of looking at Mister Bungle, which is like dudes with mohawks and fucking ripped cargos. And bong smoke everywhere, and then you go to Trevor Dunn's Wikipedia page, mm. and he's a composer, an American <laughs> composer. Well, the other the other interesting thing that that like just I I, I did on my research was just that I, I guess that era of like Mike Patton auditioned for Faith No More, right? And in the same way that like I think Kiedis auditioned right. for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and there's this kind of that culture of like. Showing up and auditioning, going, I'm going to be your lead singer. Yeah, you know, and uh, I don't know. It's just a, it's a different time. I don't, I don't know. Just if I, imagine Mick Patton, Mike Patton, rocked up to your to your audition, <laughs> audition. and was like, "Hi, I'm from Mister Bungle, and now I'm going to be in your band too." <laughs> what a <laughs> you know? demon! What yeah. a demon! So, um, in relation to the music and the record itself, like uh, as someone who obviously <laughs> loves the band and and yeah. had watched the the video, how do you see the record? Um, well, for, for me, like, yeah, it, it, obviously it's really different to, you know, the previous albums, but I guess the one thing that stood out for me, just the, the concept was really cool. I love how they bring humor to what they do. I agree. Like, like they, they take, obviously take music very seriously, but they know how to laugh at themselves. And, and yep. I, you know, I find that really 
cool and kind of engaging. That came through. Mm. So did you find that on the video or the album? Well, I saw the video first because okay. I went to, so yeah. Um, and then on the d- so Blu-ray. A, yeah. I, like, <laughs> no, but I just find that interesting Second. because like, I like, like, of course, like, you know, Mike Patton's a joker, but I didn't feel like any kind of, apart from like, I mean, in the same way that Primus laugh at themselves, but. Yeah, I think it's a little bit, it's not, it's not so, I don't find it as kind of dorky or as nerdy. It's okay. more just sort of like, you know, like they're playing really intense, full on music. Yeah. But, you know. They, they're kind of laughing about it at the same time. Um, but I get one of the, one of the things that you know that I took from it in, in answer to your question was was they're all like fifty plus year old men. Yeah, and and like it's such a strong performance of like you know so people that have just committed their life to to playing a musical instrument and playing a musical style. Like it's so tight, and it's they flawless. just fucking cane it. Yeah, and, it's absolutely flawless. Um, Dudes at the top of their game. It, well, yeah, and and it's just also a testament to sort of longevity and just sort of sticking with your craft and and you know seeing things through, which I, f- I find really inspiring. I so do too. so I so if, I, I think it, it you know it wasn't necessarily like you know when I was younger and and I first heard you know disco volante and all that and that just like blew my mind and opened up all this sort of stuff. With this, it's sort of like. Well, you know, these guys are just sort of stuck with it and they're still doing it and yep. it's fucking fantastic. It, it's yeah. funny that you, when you say that, it actually dawned on me. Like like I like I looked at it, I'm like, oh, this is a live record and, and my head went to like the like just the overall sounds of things. And I mean, mm-hmm. like my, my first take on it was like, fuck, those drums just like sound like um, a rehearsal in, um, you know, what's that, what are those called? Sound Studios in Moorabbin. Jam <laughs> Sam, Hut. Not Jam Hut. <laughs> not jam sound Park? No, no, no. no, 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 no. What was I've it called? It, I've go- I just Googled, Fucking I just Googled it. I just Googled Moorabbin Marab- Rehearsal Rooms. What's it rooms. called? It was called Sound Rehearsal Studios <laughs> in Moorabbin. <laughs> God, I hated it. <laughs> it was the worst. <laughs> and and like, like the whole sound just reminded me of just like, you yeah. know, it's Wednesday the, night, it'd 8 p.m. Metal bands bleeding through every, every wall. Yeah, metal bands bleeding through every wall and that really like dunk snare sound. Yeah. Um, so, like, I remember know, the band that used to um, rehearse next to us was called Cat Witch. Yeah. <laughs> Cat Witch. It was just double kick city. It was so methodical, but it was just like every night they rehearse, we'd rehearse. <laughs> and they'd turn up in their Cat Witch van and it was just like, oh, it's cr- it was, that's what that took totally. me back to. But Sorry. these motherfuckers, like, you know, it's just tech and it's tight and it's amazing. And then just as you were talking, Mick, I was like, like, it, 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 you know, your kind of, your kind of comments just made me go, fuck, this was like all one take shit. And, mm. And and it's so tight. Yeah. And and for all intents and purposes, that's October last year. So it's yeah. not like they're coming off the road. Totally. Like like yeah. that. You know, either that's just in their system. Uh, or, it's totally in their system. You know, and that's that that's pretty 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 incredible. I mean, I, I would say go ahead. Well, that's that was what was great about having Dave Lombardo and Scott Ian in the band because they're like the members of Bungle have kind of all gone in different directions, and you know. They've gotten into kind of more experimental music or, or different all sorts of things, but with Dave Lombardo and Scott Ian, like it's the, all metal. Still in the genre. It's just all it's <laughs> all been metal the whole time. Yeah. yeah. And and for me, like I would encourage anyone to watch it just to watch actually watch Scott Ian mm. and any Is chance. Is he the guitar any, player? He's the guitar player with the, the bald, bald guy dude and the bald, big yeah. goatee. Yeah, fuck. Like he, yeah. you know, he was my best on ground. Like he, he is just, just doesn't break a sweat. He though. does not break a sweat. Yeah. He doesn't miss a beat. He's just so strong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um and just just 
I don't know, to get nerdy. Just like beautiful time and totally. Same, same with Dave Lombardo. Like you know, even if you're not a fan, just to watch of the of that that style of music for sure. The power and the finesse is totally. Yeah. Well, was, I mean, we talked about like you know the Foo Fighters a few weeks ago, and you know we made a we we made a, a promise to ourselves that we would obviously go into some more guitar rock. Well, we did of last zones. week. We did the Slater Kenny album. We did Imagine Dragons. No, where no, no, you, no, it wasn't Imagine. That was the one we did last week too. The other group that uh, you said was the best album ever. Oh, um. <laughs> I can't even remember what it was called. Yeah, that, that band. Uh, hang on a second. Wolf, Wolf Alice. Wolf Alice. There you go. Wolf Alice. Um, <laughs> yeah, Spoon Fighters, what were you saying about them? No, but like, I mean, you know, this this really goes back to that. Like, there are still fucking dudes with guitars that are just yeah. really caning. I mean, we have lifted the game since we reviewed that Foo Fighter album because we needed to, frankly. Absolutely. Um, look, I'm going to talk about it. Um, look, Arik, I don't know if you know this about me, but like in the early 90s, I was like a bit of a, a, a bit of a tennis prodigy really? on the scene, and so like I had like junior state ranking, and over summer I'd do some coaching, and so my coach came up to my town to do some coaching with me, and he brought his brother up who was also a gun tennis player, and the brother who was the same age as me was massively into Sepultura. Ooh, and yeah, yeah, Brazilian Sepultura, 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 yeah, yeah. and so like. I really, I thought this kid was really cool and he was really into basketball as well. And so, like, he was, he was Sepultura and I'm like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm down with that. I'm down with that band, yeah. I, I didn't know anything about them. When was this? Like, was this early 90s? This was in 91. 91. So this wow. is, like, down a rise, like. Probably. Yep. Probably. This is thrash metal time. <laughs> so, like, he we'd be down at the basketball courts. He'd be playing and on his ghetto blaster. We'd be playing two-on-two two against the other local kids. And I just, like. I didn't really like it, and um, but I was just pretending I did like it. Yeah, yeah. And and then he plays some sort of Motorhead and some Primus, and I'm just like, you know what? I like, I wasn't saying this to him because I wanted to be cool, but I didn't really like any of it. And um, you're more a Peter Andre kind of guy, or? <laughs> probably. I probably was. You know what? I was yeah. living in the country, dude, yeah, in a town yeah, yeah. of two thousand people with two radio stations. And people, and I was I wasn't ready for it, and yeah. it basically scarred me. All right, okay. and that could have been the reason why my tennis career went off like went off the Just deep end after that. <laughs> Could have been also the whipping that Mark Philippoussis gave me. Did you excuse uh, me? What? Oh, uh, he beat. I played the best I could ever play. You played Philippoussis, and he beat me six love six one. <laughs> you like, never told me career this. is over. I can't wow, play that's, tennis that's anymore. That's a great story. Because um, he's to date Delta Goodrum, who <laughs> was the mentee of Olivia Newton John. Oh, there you go. There it so is. many links. Up. So many links. Um, so yeah, Mick bringing this album in tonight really forced me right. oh, to good. go back into that place. That like, nightmare. it took me back to 1991. It's all about that. Because, like, just <laughs> frankly, I've ignored this genre for a long time. Like, and you know, as I said before, the bungles were the bungles, and we were, you know, we were Faith No More yeah, because yeah, yeah. I was a bit more poppy. Anyway, um, and and like, I was sort of thinking about it, and look. I, I listened to it. I like this album's still not for me. Done. But like then I thought about it a bit more. I'm like going, well, why isn't it for me? Because like you know we like bands like Hiatus who like 
actually apply a lot of the stuff totally. that Bungle would do, yeah, like yeah, yeah. changing up time signatures yeah. and like going off on tangents and doing all this sort of stuff that we love to hear. I was actually thinking Mood Valiant is more of a Bungle album than When the Night Came Home is. Absolutely. <laughs> the Night They like, Came Home, sorry. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, and I also had that exact thought yeah. when I was listening to it. And so, so what is it? Like what is it that I don't like about it? Um and so, like, you know, I think is maybe... It, is it the confidence? There's something about the confidence. That, <laughs> too confident. Too confi- overly confident. <laughs> no, no. Somebody like, like Philippousis just, like, was striding around the court when he was whooping <laughs> you six, six love, six one. I played so good that game as well. I just could not get a point off him. Um, I don't know. I think it's probably... I mean, you know, the lack of melody and harmony. Like, you know, it is, it is there, but, like, it's just not, you know... It's not sweet. And... And... You know, that sits at the heart of what I like to listen to <laughs> in music. Um, so, and there's also something about the snare sound in this music, uh, which is like, it's sort of like a pistol going off and the two and the <laughs> four. It's just like, it's so, it's like fucking rutting in your brain. Um, so, look, having said all that, like, you know, I totally agree. Like, you, the amount of respect that you have for players like this is just like at such a high level. Um, and I mean, it's, it's a fucking live recording. I mean, it's, just, it's a live recording. It's insane. It's insane how good these guys are. Um, so up until today, I didn't actually realise that there was the clips, the the live right. clips. Yeah, and yeah, cool. so I spent the afternoon watching them. And um, to be honest, like you, all the the humour that you talked about mm. automatically comes through because you can see how much how much fun are these guys having mm. playing this stuff. Mm. Like they're just smiling and laughing and. It hit me in a completely different way, and and I could see that I would definitely go out and watch this live and actually probably enjoy it yeah, because sure. I, I really enjoyed it. Like, have you it. seen? But them I live? didn't. I didn't enjoy it. Like listening to it, but watching it was just a completely different experience. Have you seen them live? Yes, Bungle. Bungle. Yeah. What what era are we talking? Uh, I saw the California era. Okay, so mm. what what is that? Is that like late? That 90s? was early two. That was I'd, I'd first moved to Melbourne, uh, and that was two thousand two thousand. Okay. Yeah, at, at the Palace. Do, do they have that same level of kind of tongue in cheekness? Yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. They all, you know, they they often dress up in costumes. I remember um, the drummer came out in an Australian uh, cricket team one day outfit <laughs> with Ian Ian Healy's, you know, wow. written on the back, and and some gloves, yeah. some wicket keeping gloves, and he actually like. You know, wicket. He he stumped his hi hats. That's that was his, that was his move when he came out onto stage, and I was like, that was cool. They, like, forgive me if I'm wrong, but they seem to tour Australia a lot. Like, I'm yeah, they're really they're popular here. here. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. They came through, I think, like mid '90s as well for Disco Volante. Yeah, but Patton's like, you know. Patton's had so many projects and, and brought them out here: Phantomas and Tomahawk and all that. So. I just like, oh, is it called Bungle Grind? Is that the one we had yeah, on at the start? Yeah, yeah. I just loved at the start watching yeah. that where he just prowled around the stage for basically four minutes before he started singing. It was yeah. just hilarious. Were there it, any other any, any other tracks you were kind of like you could get down uh, with? What was the one called um, Something in the Art, World in the Ass, which, oh, which had a bit here? more of a... Um, Anarchy up the anus. Anarchy up the anus. Anarchy up your that anus. That was a bit more of a sex pistol sort of a vibe. I kind of like that. I really dug mathematics. Yeah, cool. I love the names. That of the was songs. fucking cool. The names are awesome. And a racist was cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And hypocrites. Habla español. Umuere was hilarious. <laughs> and then they had like they started with like la cucaracha or something. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But I, well, I the remember first song, that. The, that, that. I feel like that was on a tape I had in 1994. Well, well there you go. Yeah, it's a cover of um one of the. 
Scott Ian, it was uh, his band, SOD, Storm okay. Tro- Stormtroopers of Death. They had a they had a song called um, "Speak English or Die." Okay, there yeah. you go. Yeah, and the first track obviously was hilarious with the scary nursery rhyme. That was yeah. really yeah. funny. that was hilarious. <laughs> but that was so Mike Patton, wasn't yeah, it? Totally. Yeah, you know, yeah. like yeah. fuck. I mean. I'm so glad you brought this in because this just there's no algorithm in the world <laughs> that would that would have me see this. Yeah. Um and but but it was such a part of my own childhood that of like when you go Mr. Bungle, I'm like, fucking absolutely, let's go, you know. But like, I mean, as you said before, like we we fully lamented the death of guitar based music. But it's still with here. Manchester Orchestra. Remember oh, that one? Yeah, Manchester <laughs> Orchestra. And then, and then Foo Fighters just like, yes, we've 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 had three Here we go. albums We're back now. in business. They're just, but they're, they're, it's not dad rock. It's still like play with complete passion. Complete passion. It's not, it's not, like, it's not, it's not weekend warrior shit. This is, guys are serious guys. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> Let's take it to the T25 Sean T rating scale where we've got one is, what was it again? What was it again? One is awesome. Yeah, but why was one awesome? Because that's how long they would take. I oh, yeah, yeah. To get Sorry, back how to long you. they'll get back to me to yeah. ensure that I get my subscription or, or they don't steal my money. Um, okay, so I might go first. Look, I can talk till the cows come home about how brilliant this was, but I just I don't know how many... I just can't see how many contexts exist in my world where I'm going to listen to this. You're not going to put it Again. on when you get home tonight. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. Just gonna, no, you know. no, I don't think it's. I, I, this look. This was a really, a really good example. Is I was like, I was getting ready for the podcast, and and like I'd, I was listening to Cody on the speakers, and I listened to um, Doge, Doja Cat on the speakers, and I listened to SUA SAULT on the speakers, and then I was like, I got to do the bungle one. And I was like. I might listen to some. I might listen to this one on headphones. <laughs> um, so, like for me, I mean, like, like just mad respect. That, like, I think to me more than anything, it's a, it's like one take stuff. There's 19 songs or something. It's like it's a huge amount of recorded music. How many is it? Sorry, 14 songs. It's brilliant. It, it like made me young again. But I, I'm gonna give it a. I don't know. I'll give it about a. Six, six out of eleven, with one being the highest. Yep, I, I feel that. Um, I'm also going to give it a six. <laughs> out of you guys suck. <laughs> hey, like again, like you know, we've been quite happy to go down to the the tens and eleven regions. Like if it yeah, fucking yeah, sucked, right. and it didn't fucking suck. Yeah. It was fucking it's great. Just, it's just sort of like. I, do I connect with it? It's just yeah. like I don't connect with it, but fucking full props because it's mm-hmm. just they they guns, they guns, and they're playing with fire, and it's just awesome, and it's fun. Like you can see, it's fun for them. Mick, um, your your score may may get this <laughs> yep. into album of the year, like ranking, <laughs> so you go what, for what, it if they called right now. Yeah. <laughs> give, give you a subscription back. If they're called, call, called right now, <laughs> I'm going straight to the top. Hey. Go one, yeah. All right, one out of eleven from Mick. And that is the, awesome. the the night they came home by Mr. Bungle. Oh, you're from London. Oh, you're from London. Smoking on that Mary Jane, bro, but got ambition, we don't care about what we up against. S-A-U-L-T, or Salter, an R&B rooted collective whose 
5-7 Untitled Blackies and Untitled Rise albums released during 2019 and 2020 have integrated numerous styles including retro modern psychedelic soul rebunctious post-punk funk righteous afrobeat and purposefully oblique pop they've been just as varied from a lyrical standpoint shifting with ease from affection and heartache to opposition and upliftment Presented anonymously as SAULT appeared early in 2019 with We Are The Sun and Don't Waste My Time singles that set up and appeared on the full-length five uh, released that May. Physical copies credited only production to Inflow, a.k.a. Dean Josiah Cover, best known for having co-written um, uh, Michael... Uh, Qu- what is it, Eric? Is it Michael... Uh, Kawanuka? Uh, Ko- uh, yeah. Um, and also produced all of Little Sims stuff. Well, just I'm getting there. Sorry. Um, among other works with um, the Kooks, Jungle, and Little oh, Sims. Wow, Kooks. Yeah. Um, cover wrote or co-wrote all the songs, joined by uh, Cleopatra Nikolic, aka Cleo Soul, another Little Sims collaborator, and his wife. Oh, right. And uh, Melissa Young, aka Kid Sister. Only four months later, SAULT returned. With the brief, the seven, written strictly by Cover and Nikolic, in tandem, along the high among the high-profile supporters of these albums were BBC DJ Giles Pedersen, who in June 2020 broadcast the entirety of the third offering, Untitled Blackies, a week ahead of its June release. Um, the expansive, urgent set featured an appearance for Kiwanuka. Um, Followed uh, Cleo Soul's Inflow produced Rose in the Dark by less than three months. Um, Untitled Rise, distinguished by more up tempo material, arrived last September when we reviewed it, and I think it made it into our top it five did, albums it did, of the it year. It did make it into our top five. Kumar went deep. Kumar <laughs> did go deep. Um, I think it might come third, I think, in the album of the year. Mm. Um, anyway, um, look, I'll, I'll kick it off. Um, my first listen of this album left me, to be honest, a little nonplussed. Um, I think all of the elements of the last album were there, but I felt slightly amped down. I mm. um, also found it musically an album of two halves, with the first half being sort of quite depressing, um, both musically and lyrically. Like, it was almost like if the last album was like an MDMA trip, like this was like the... Okay. This was like the, uh, the coming down album and it got a little bit messy um uh and things get messy at times i don't know look uh i love that um i i what's it what's the second track called is it second time uh london gangs Gangs. yeah yeah so the second time around i I gave it a second listen and i started to pick up the vibe a bit more I, i yeah i really loved um, at the heart of the album, like there's a lot of dance floor tracks on here still, I think. Um, so like I got a real Chemical Brothers vibe on the London Gangs. Um, I love that song, and I like the song that Tra- Trap Life had no trap hats loved, in it. Loved mm-hmm. Trap Life. That, that was funny. Loved that song. Um, look, Fear and Mike's story um, was pretty intense. It was really intense, and I really couldn't process it properly in the context of the album. Um, Bittersweet and alcohol sort of kept me in that sort of... Bitter streets. Bitter street? Bitter streets. Okay, bitter yep, streets. Yep. Um, and that was sort of you know, the morning after the, the messiness and it sort of 
got a bit more reflective. Yep. Um, you from London, which we just heard in the background, I thought was pretty funny. Little Sims is like legit awesome, I think. Um, looking forward to her new album. Um, look, like, I mean, there's no doubt this album is sort of dealing and processing some real life shit. Um, I'm just not 100% sure musically it's sort of fully providing the vehicle to carry it. And like coming off such an insane creative two years. Kind of feels like maybe that the they're at, maybe they're at the end of a bunch of songs that were part of that sort of creative period. Maybe, mm. um, maybe I'm wrong, but yeah. Again, I like London Gangs and and the Little Sims track, um, if it, and also like making it also maybe London is a London maybe maybe saying London in the track is making the same case as putting California in a track because they do say London a lot. Yeah, in this album, so I, maybe, I would say was I think you've hit on a really really like. You've hit the nail on the head there. You kind of feel like, so, you know, SAULT is this group where all of these members have got their own projects and doing their own things. And, like, you know, you've got to get the right kind of chemical mix for it to all come together. And it feels like, especially given like Black Lives Matter um, and all that stuff that was, and COVID in 2020, that like it, it doesn't surprise you, like, just the output last year in particular with two albums that were so politically charged and so intense. Mm. Like that was all of the, the, it was all the chemicals coming together at the right time. And I guess just as we move into this kind of 2021 era where like things are either like flatlining a bit or we're, I don't know, we're not going back to normal, but there's, we don't have that. There's the urgency that was there last year is, is dissipated. And, you know, we spoke about it off air before. It's like this lockdown, you know, heart trying to kind of get back into the groove. You kind of feel like this record is that. It's trying to kind of find that magic of all of that conflict and insanity from last year. Because to me, did, I you, did you find that it had that? Uh, no, I yeah. didn't. I like. I, I, I mean, like, maybe, like alcohol is a really good um, example of that because it's, it's beautiful and it had an Erica Badu vibe. But after like three and a half minutes, it of it, starts. It's just like going, it starts strong. Where is this and, going? Exactly. It starts strong and it sounds cool, and then it's just kind of like yeah. And and, and I, that's kind of the whole record for me. It's a metaphor me. for the album. Yeah. yeah um, I love this band so much. I love Inflow. I'm completely obsessed with him as a producer. Um, I just, I want him to be brilliant. I want him to, you know, he has be been. absolutely heralded as like the guy that is doing the coolest shit in the planet right now. But like you, you compare this work to the Little Sims track that came out only a couple of weeks ago, Woman, which is just such a fucking hot vibe and it's you know the recipe i would say is like it's little sims's record it's little sims's release so she'll she's setting the tone here but sault has done so much in the last few years that you kind of go how much more can you how much more can you pull from that vein yeah yeah and um and to me like i was really underwhelmed by this record Mm, um you know i wonder if you know how it's uh, only out for 99 days and then they're pulling it Oh, um, I did you read that? that? So, I the, so the thing about this thing is, it's available online and to 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 listen to for yeah ninety nine days, and then that's it. It's coming wow. down. So, well, that, wonder if that says something about that. Maybe it's just you know a B side. I, I don't know. But who like knows? That, I mean, maybe this is this might if this was their first release, maybe it would be it would be a masterpiece. Or, but from what they've done, totally, it's so hard, isn't it, when you start judging yeah. people on their past works? But, and um, like all of the down tempo stuff was really really cool, but it just wasn't as good as the other yeah. down tempo stuff. And all the and there wasn't a heap of up tempo stuff to me. Trap life was. For me, the standout. I loved it. Um, 
I loved. Um, I thought Bitter Streets was really cool. Gave me this like mini Ripperton vibe. Mm. Um, but from what I can understand, you know, I think Inflow and um, and Clear Solar, you know, I, I think romantically involved, and 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 this really felt m- to me more like. I mean, Clear Soul definitely was at the forefront of this record more so than like Untitled Rise. Um, sorry, was it Untitled Rise one we did last year, or was it Black no, King? No, Rise we did last year. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I just, I, yeah, I think I'll, I'll, I'll stop there. It's a great listen. Go check it out. Um, if you're into this group, it might not be their best, but you know, it also might be one of those things that like you reflect on in a few years and you're like, fuck, that was a really good record. Mm. So anyways, Mick, what did you reckon? Um, <clears throat> well, I didn't know anything about this group at all before you uh, mentioned it. So it was, that was cool for me. Uh, I actually really liked it. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's exactly <laughs> point. Yeah. Case in point. Um, I, um, I've got a few things to say. Good. I, I might go on a little bit of a trip, <laughs> so hopefully it. I'm articulate enough. But I guess firstly, um, with the other albums, like, you know, Bungle's in my veins, so it's, I don't care about Bungle. But with the other stuff, after, you know, this this was actually like a really – nice kind of listen after um you know hiatus like have such a heavily processed sound and a really busy sound um i won't talk about the doja cat album yet but um what, what album yeah oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking oh. go no, no no we're just in joke in joke dummy okay. joke uh but yeah for me like I, I like, like, it, it did actually, you know, you mentioned Chemical Brothers, but it did take me back to kind of like early 2000s. Like, I thought of like Propeller Heads. Yeah. And I was even, looking for earlier. And even like heads. the Avalanches album. But I like trip hop. Like, I, I oh, love. We do too. Yeah. We're massive fans. And, and it, it, this album definitely sounds like, like, like it comes from England. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's, it's, they get it right so, yeah. so well. They and do. in their, in their own special way. Yeah. And so I, I, I find this album like, yeah, you know, it doesn't. It doesn't state anything new or or anything too confronting or anything like that. But but it's it's it is really nice production. The beats are really cool. The sounds of the of the drums and mm. and the and, and the bass like like literally like you you hear a, a drum and you hear hi hats and you hear reverb on a snare and a wash of a ride cymbal, and it's like I I, I like to hear that you yeah. know. Um, yep. and, and I like that vibe that it creates. Some of the samples, as you say, are really funny. Like, the, are you from London? Like that. Yeah. That when <laughs> when the sample kind of you know plays out, like that's actually pretty cool. I think um, you're right. That's that is actually a really good point because we didn't talk about the production at all, and it was of a really high standard. Yeah, as it always has been. Yeah, yeah. yeah when I first like what the the second track, the London Gangs, like I, I first was like, oh yeah, cool, I like this because it it you know it's got that dirty kind of synth bassline that kind of twists inside out. It made me think of like Death Grips, and I was thinking like, oh, this maybe this is going to be like some new electronic shit that I haven't heard before, which is going to be great. Um, but it, you know, it doesn't go down that path. But um, I was, I was, I, I became excited straight away. That's I, what they do. This band, they sort of, yeah, right. They move all over the place. Yeah, I found, I found the references to gangs and all that sort of stuff like interesting. I like similar to you. Like I didn't really know what where they were going at. Uh, where they're coming from, or, or, or whatever, um, and and perhaps there's a political thing there, or, or, or whatever. But I did have this, I, I did have this thought, um, and because I don't know anything of this band, and I was talking to this with a friend who said, "Oh yeah, 
it's not salt it's s a u l t so but you Thanks know that. i i don't even know that's for sure but that but also the the concept of it being available for only 99 days and and the fact that no one knows who they are right like it's this yeah. Kind, yeah yeah, yeah very, and i was and i was thinking well that's okay that's really cool you know and and you know like we've got the bungle album where the concept behind that album is really strong we're talking about hiatus how like you know you sort of touched on it was like they don't necessarily have to have a concept because they just do their thing and they'll do it anyway. I think you both sort of mm. said that. Um, and, and, and I agree with that entirely. Uh, and, and with this album, like, yeah, the music, the music's not going to change your life in any way, but the actual concept behind it really caught my attention. So, and I just kept wanting to listen to it. Do you feel like it gives you legitimacy? It gives the project legitimacy by doing that? Totally, like totally, yes. Yeah. And I think in the in these days it, it it does. Yeah, and this is sort of where I'm going with it. Did you? No, yeah. no. My question was like, what you what what was the concept that you identified? Like, was it? Um, well, the fact that you don't know who they are. Okay. The 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 the, the release is only available for 99 days, mm. um, and. Thing. Oh, and, and the pronunciation of the band. I thought that was kind of, you know, a, a unique kind of twist on it. Um, and then I was thinking, like, and, and I'm probably really, I'm probably very lo- wrong with this, but at the very end, they're, they're talking about, like, one guy's talking about uh, names, like, you know, London London gangs, like, back in the day, before mobile phones, he's talking about, like, before mobile phones, like, people would just, you'd, you'd associate someone with where they came from, or oh, that's such and such from such and such a place. Um, and and he sort of touches on that, yeah. The gangs were more of a territorial thing, so so you could identify like who who was from where. Um, and then and then he sort of says, you know, if you wanted to see someone, you had to literally physically go and and visit them, right? So I started thinking, oh, you know, like these days, there's there's so much music, you know, you have to be. It doesn't really matter how good it is sometimes. You just have to be really clever and thoughtful about how you put it out there. You know, I'm, I'm some, maybe it's a word I'm in at the moment, but you have to think about, you know, marketing and angles and all these sorts of things just to, just to get people's attention. And, you know, so I was thinking maybe it's, it's not a lit- literal kind of uh, translation of, of, of talking about London gangs and, you know, this, this, is, this gang's over there and that gang's over there, but sort of talking about like, it's a new it's a new kind of phase of listening to music. Everything's digital. You can share stuff immediately. Mm. But maybe maybe the people that create that music are sort of reflecting on it on on an era that's no longer around where you were sort of talking about it as well. I think we were talking about flea like you know uh and and what we're talking about like um you know, someone moves to California and suddenly lands in somewhere. Was yeah, that or maybe I'm going to confuse with something else. But um, but just that. But you know, back back in those days, like you'd have to. I think I was hearing this somewhere else. Sorry, you'd have to go to like a record label would kind of dictate what what people listen to. But these days, like you know, anyone can put out anything at any time. Um, and so yeah, so that sort of concludes my rave. But I was sort of thinking like, I don't know. It just sort of made me think about that. Like I thought, okay. These guys have got this music, like it's pretty simple music. It's just beats and samples and, and all that sort of stuff. But they're presenting it in this way that makes you kind of go, wow, what's this? Mm. And and then you listen to it. And, and yeah, the production's really cool and all that sort of stuff. So you keep listening to it and, and yeah. I think I think the concept behind the album yeah. got my attention. And drives the product. More more so than the, than the music, yeah. What it, I mean, mm. what I would say, I, I kind of feel 
and again, because there, there's obviously a intention that this group do not talk about themselves or bring any attention to themselves bar the the music they put out. Like even when you look up the record label, there's like five followers, you know, like right. this yeah, whole yeah. thing yeah. is living in this like anonymous vacuum, but like the whole world is fucking loving it. Mm. And you just kind of get the feeling because, you know, <clears throat> when we did our bit of deep diving on the first, when we reviewed last year, like it's serious like London crew mm, is mm. involved in this. And, you know, when you then you start to say that Inflow is pre- making records for the Kooks, which are like London royalty, like they're, they're serious people and they're super London. And I kind of feel like there's this almost like this statement of it just being like, this is a, this is a London record for a particular mm-hmm. crew yeah, yeah, in London crew, yeah. that only they get. Mm-hmm. And and as such, like you can kind of tap into it and enjoy it, mm. and then we're going to take it away from you. Mm. You know what I mean? Like the, I, I didn't realize it was only like up for a, f- a, a short period, but it does really make sense. Like you, Inflow, for example, who's like the main producer, has one track on Spotify. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like it's um yeah I'm like whereas Cleo Soul, she's kind of like the one that's kind of yeah, popped through yep. Little Sims as well, um, but. It's fascinating. I, I mean, we can opine till the cows come I mean, like, home, to, but- be, to be like, you know, to put my cynical hat on, you, you can say, well, you know, if they're in the crew that includes Giles, who has a worldwide profile, that like one song is all of a sudden out to the masses, then, you know, that's that's a cynical way of looking at it. What do you mean cynical? Well, you know, you could say, you know, this could this could be all a marketing ploy mm. whereby well I know we're not playing it for anybody I, I, I don't think it is I don't, no. I don't, I don't think it is either I, I totally don't mm. think it is but you know as I said I'll put my cynical hat on and you could look at it that way and you look you look great in your cynical hat <laughs> that's right way. it's grey it's, it's Kangolish <laughs> it's Kangolish <laughs> <laughs> hey let's uh, let's take it to the T25 let's take it to the T25 rating scale look I'm I reckon this is going to be a grower for me. So I like I kind of definitely feel like I want to like I listened to it twice. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep on going back to it. Liked um, it more than Mr. Bungle, did you? Uh, I liked it more than Mr. Bungle. Okay. Yeah. So mm. if Mr. Bungle was six, I'll probably give this a f- a four, four point five. Okay. Feeling that four point five out of eleven, with four point five being how many days Shantae's going to take to get back to me with my refund? Yep. Or you'll get Tanya to call you. Yep. What do you reckon, Mick? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with two. All right. Whoa, okay. I, I, I like, yeah, Whoa. I liked it. Yeah. Awesome. And I, I, I'll keep listening to it. Great. Mm. Great. 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 It's gonna be interesting to see if you go back and Come listen back to, to it. Uh, no, the Untitled Rise. Oh, I the two to albums it. from last year. Have you which, listened to the other records? I no, I haven't. I don't know oh. anything about them. Yeah. Oh, so, man. which is quite mm. incredible that you're giving this a two. Like, when, <laughs> when it's it's just <laughs> actually blowing my we'll, mind. We'll, we'll, we'll yeah. play. I'll play my favourites. SAULT um, track when we finish. I'm gonna go a five. Okay, yeah, right in the middle. Yeah, Tanya's gonna get back to you in five days, Eric. So this, <laughs> this time uh, on Friday, <laughs> you'll be getting uh, some sort of Facebook message uh, saying he's your refund. Uh, so that's a five, a four point five, and a two from Mick for Salt S A U L T new album titled Nine. Back in a moment.
Okay, so the last album we're presenting tonight is the new one from Doja Cat titled Planet Her. So I'm just, I just want to put it out there that all my um, bios are now coming from the All Music website, Eric. Okay. So uh, that's where it's at, mate. <laughs> Los Angeles Doja Cat rose from a viral novelty track to being a mainstream superstar with her smooth, hypnotic R&B flecked pop songs of sexuality, friendship and personal power. She gained some significant buzz with her early releases, but it was her 2019 sophomore effort Hot Pink that took Doja Cat to the top of the Hot 100. Subsequent charting singles and collaborations with Scissor and Soweti further solidified her star power. Uh, Doja Cat was born Amala, uh, what is it? Uh, Domini in 1995 in Tarzana, California, the daughter of South African parents, uh, actors and painters. Um, after moving to New York for a few years, she returned to California with her mother. As a child, she studied piano and took tap, ballet and jazz dance lessons. She's also discovered surfing and breakdancing. Um, by her teens, she was teaching herself to sing and listen to an eclectic mix of hip-hop, indie rock, R&B and electronic music. Doja, you're yawning, Eric. Doja had also began recording songs on her computer and in 2014 released her debut EP, Purr. She quickly found herself with a viral hit with the track So High. More singles followed, including The Languid, Nunchucks and No Police, each one grabbing attention online. Uh, on the heels of that success, Doja Cap issued her full-release debut album, Amala, which found her expanding upon her dreamy meme-friendly sound with more hip-hop, pop and R&B-infused tracks. Blah, 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 blah. I could keep going on. Uh, she picked up a couple of American Music Awards. Um, she's carried that momentum into her breakout year in 2021. She began appearing alongside established celebrities more frequently, adding guest features to Soweti's single Best Friend, uh, contributing to Ariana Grande's remix and releasing the scissor-assisted um, single Kiss Me More. Um, all of this has led up to the June release of the album we're reviewing tonight. Um, it features guest spots from Young Thug, The Weeknd and Ariana Grande. The lead and single Caesar. And Caesar, the, the lead single from with Scissor has accumulated nearly half a billion streams already. So... Look, I'll throw one of you in a second. Like, strangely enough, my two kids came in and saw me within two days of each other when I had this album up on YouTube. My son came in on Friday saying, oh, Doja Cat, you're reviewing that this way. And he said, she's legitimately shit. And I teased it out a bit with questions like, well, what shit about her? What exactly don't you like? And as it turned out, I don't actually think he'd listened to the album. It was more of a word on the street thing, like she's shit. And then my daughter came in this morning while I was on, you know, Go 3. And she said, oh, you're listening to Doja Cat. I really like her. And I did the same question. And she said, well, I really like that Caesar track, Kiss Me, Kiss Me More. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, that's, at least that's something. So well, there's, a, there's our rating scale. <laughs> um, I might throw it to Can I Nick. jump in real yeah, quick? Yeah, I'm going to throw it to my, you, my daughter did the same thing. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. So she was into it. Well, she, I, I'd had the image of Doja Cat on the TV because we got the, you know, the TV hooked up to the stereo and whatnot. 
And she's like, why are you listening to Doja Cat? <laughs> yeah, Dad, what are you doing? And I was like, You're trying to be cool, I'm like, I didn't know who she was. And she's <laughs> like, oh, do you know who she is? And she's like, yeah. Half a I billion was like, well, people. good, good, because you need to tell me, because, you know, I'm going on this, I've got to talk about this album. She's yeah. like, oh, yeah, well, you know, she's done something with Ariana Grande and she was on James Charles's show. Uh, Do you know who James Charles is? No. Okay, so you don't know who James Charles is. James Charles <laughs> is, is like this. He's a YouTube sensation. Okay. He does like makeup. Anyway. Oh, okay. So yeah. Wow. Well, there you go. And then so yeah, no real comment on the music and whether or not the I artist found was that a really any, important question. Was, was any good? Yeah, yeah. But it was just like, oh yeah, I know she's worked with Ariana Grande and she was on the James Charles show. I just love that that yeah. she's legitimately shit. <laughs> no, 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 no. But like, like, fu- like, I'm more interested in your daughter's takes. Yeah. Well, like, like, so you've 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 heard a glowing review, right? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, she likes and, the scissor track. And Mick, and and you've like all I've heard so far is, oh, she's done this and this, but I yeah. haven't actually heard yet what your daughter's well, saying about her as an artist. I, for it's me, not, it's not, not relevant. Really, yeah, that, exactly. I don't think it's relevant. And yeah. and maybe I could start. Like I, I find this the music kind of irrelevant? completely irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it, it makes me think. Like, yeah, it's it's not for me at all. Like, I, I kind of wrote meh and a few other things, and then yep. I wrote meh again. Um, <laughs> but without sounding too cynical, like you know, when I was a kid, you know. I, I used to listen to Bobby Brown, you know, mm-hmm. and and I had a cassette of Bobby Brown, and and, and that was cool. Uh, well, you know, so it's so this is the same deal, I guess. You know, like this yeah. is this is just music for for kids, or maybe it's music for the club, or I don't know where, but it's well. Yeah. I mean, if you want to go back to my bio when she had several meme friendly sounding That's a, tracks yeah, very slash TikTok right, there you go. friendly. And yeah. and I've read a couple of reviews yeah. where they've said, oh, yeah, this will satisfy the TikTok, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, crew. Yeah. Uh, just like, yeah, here we go again. Look, um, sorry, I, I'm, I'm, no, I don't want to like prejudice what I'm going to say. Um, so I don't know if you got, if you want to talk some more about this. You go. I'll go. Okay, yeah. go, Eric. So look, I, um, I, I, I put this on and um, like the first track I was like – I got really into the first track. I was mm, like, yeah. this is cool. And, you know, that Afrobeat sound is, you know, a real thing. And um, I really liked it. I was like, this is great. And then, but I didn't know what I was getting into. So I was like, oh, this, I like, I love the Kofi record from a year and a half ago. And I thought, oh, all right, this is where we're going. And this could be really cool. And then it just started kind of like just carrying on. <laughs> And it's a really long album. It's a long yeah, album, yeah. and and lucky, lucky didn't listen to the deluxe. Well, I, I, I almost <laughs> accidentally did. That's why I was very careful because after making that mistake with Tamara by giving her the extra thirty minutes of Beaver to listen to, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was yeah. really intent on getting the right version this Look, week. I'll blast through this. Um, okay, I'll tell you straight up. My first actual, my, like this is like really fucking niche, but I just want to just. Put it out there for a major release, big pop record. Um, the production was really dark and mid rangey, um, which was really different. Like Ariana Grande, Taylor Swift, Justin Bieber, that's all shiny and like zzz, and and I just wondered, is you know, th- there's got to be a reason for this because there's it's a very similar, like Dr. Duke is one of the producers, so yeah. like it's like top, it's like the, the top pop guys in the States, but there's obviously clearly a reason why they've mixed it dark on this. Mm-hmm. And and I'm just wondering, are they trying to make her like an anti-pop 
pop star or I don't know. It just it just threw up more questions and answers for me. Mm. Um, uh, Payday with Young Thug felt like the thing that I found with all of her writing was that it's really informed by like early 2000s R&B because I just found Nelly hooks showing up everywhere. Yeah, right. Um, which just was like, okay, that's interesting. Um, I thought the, the Ariana Grande collaboration was great and I was like, you know what? It just reaffirmed that Ariana Grande is actually a fucking boss. Like, she's really good. Um, yeah, she's very good. She's just really good. Not for me, but she's really good. Um, and then You, uh, you Right was probably my, fav- my favourite um, of... Uh, Doja Cat's performances. I thought like her vocal really shone in that in that track. And so, and again, I, I wrote something about her phrasing was really early two thousands. And I wanted to know if actually that was something that any of you guys picked up on. I thought she was better when she rapped, actually. Right. Okay. Cool. And then the weekend just crushes his verse. And yep. what I loved was like, you know, so uh, not so um, sorry. Doja Cat's got. A particular range, and then the weekend comes in, and he's fucking over the top of her. Like he's even higher than she is, and I just thought, fuck, he's good. And then I also thought, fuck, how much did he get paid for that eight yeah. bars? Um, anyways, well, going on last week, yeah, what we we get to? I we got twenty. Well, we were at twenty twenty bucks or oh, yeah, twenty 000 bucks or two hundred thousand <laughs> for a Nigel Rogers. Um, Nigel Rogers. Nigel Rogers. Anyways, that's my take. Um, I don't have much more to say. About like, it. I okay, don't think I'll, so, I don't think I'll listen to this again. But like, so for some for some really bizarre reason, I seem to have listened to this album a lot this week. <laughs> I listen to it twice. I don't know why. I just can't. I just couldn't really make up my mind whether I was going to like it or not. And like, yeah, as we sort of said, it sits in that sort of R and B pop mid tempo trap hop um, genre that I generally hate. If uh, if it's not done well. It's the cotton on genre. It's just not a genre. It's, you know, we, we've been down a genre that I clearly have not liked for a long time in my childhood. So we're, but this we're, is in a different place. So like Bungle versus Doja Cat. What's <laughs> but the vibe? This is Trap Hop. Um, there's a lot more sinister elements to, to the Trap Hop okay. um, genre that I find really sinister. Um but like we were, we were going to listen to an album by this artist called Amare, um, which we didn't do with Benza, like, uh-huh. and and she's a South African artist. And funnily enough, it, she's also South African. Uh, yep. Cat. I, I sort of got some similarities between these two. Um, look, it's pretty inoffensive. Like, thankfully for me, the use of auto tune on the voice was pretty subtle. Um, so I can't believe I'm saying this, but big tick for that. Um, and I haven't gone deep on the credits, but by the looks of it, I think uh, she co-writes on every song on this she album. Does. Another tick. So, I mean, seriously, I mean, where the fuck are we when we're giving ticks for singing in tune and writing your own songs? I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to like this album, and I didn't hate it, but I was just searching for, like, that kernel of soul in in the songs, and, and I just wasn't finding it. You did find it on the weekend track? I did, yeah. Look, the weekend track was good. So, like, I've got I've written some notes about each. I mean, I thought Naked was nice, um, and I thought that um, I thought that Young Thug one was had teenager single potential. I liked the weekend collab. I liked the rap on Alone. Um, the single Kiss Me More reminded me of, the, like, that Cardigans hit. You know, love me, love me, say mm. that you love me. Um Anyway, so my true sense was this album, it 
to what you were saying about the EQ and the production of it, um, it sounded really safe to me, the production on it. And I thought there was some, there was some okay songs here, but they were mixed way too safe. And it just seemed to lack an identity because of, of how they'd produced it. And that it just didn't pop out from what everyone else was doing. And I just, I just wanted some like, you know, some outrageous side chain compression on on someone like you know just sucking me in for some pulsating pops or pumping and and just I just I think that's why I was listening to it so much. I was just like, oh, give give me something because it's it's giving me nothing. Um, and I think probably I was subconsciously listening to it with my producer hat on. Um, thinking, fuck, I would have done this so differently. I would have mixed this differently and produced it differently. Who gives a shit what I think? But, like, yeah. it it felt safe. Um, and I think we all agree that it's not anything amazing, this album, but mm. I just thought it could have been better. Um, and that's all I've got to say about that. <laughs> yeah, I found it particularly inoffensive as well. Mm. I, I agree. And, and the production was a bit, yeah, lacklustre or something. Yeah, but maybe that's a—I th- don't know. Maybe that's a thing. Maybe that's a, a, a an intentional um, approach. I think it has to be. I mm. mean, the amount of money that would have been on this. I mean, they've got Ariana Grande in the weekend and Scissor. Like, people are spending money on this, and they're making decisions that are based on mm. like focus groups and yeah. market research. Yeah, like, totally, totally. And um, and you know, the responses from our from our kids, like they know about it. They don't really have a comment on the music, no. but they know about it. So it's sort of like perhaps the music isn't really that important. Uh, like, I mean, I did like a tiny little bit of research this afternoon and she's a pretty controversial character. Yeah, I, I, I picked up on that vibe as well, but, you know. But it's all I, intentional. I, I, found, I found whenever she'd talk the, the subject matter to be kind of like, you know, there's, there's more offensive stuff happening you know, already. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the other thing that sort of stu- struck stuck out is like it's not that offensive. And you know, we had the WAP track like a year ago, and yeah, and and um, you know, so it's like it's not any more offensive than that. Yeah, I didn't find it. Yeah, as we said, I think we both found it all pretty yeah. inoffensive, yeah. didn't we? Yeah, it's yeah. it's it was, offensive it and being inoffensive. Yeah, totally agreed. Yeah. Said, All right. Well, let's, um, let's take it to the rating scale. I'll, I'll there certainly first. wasn't any any cash page though, Eric. <laughs> Uh, that's for the uh, that's for the fans. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I um, I, I this is just bit like uh, you know f- completely forgettable release. Um, all music is good. I'll I'll give the I'll give love to the fact that like I feel as though even though like Hollywood and that whole world can be kind of full of shit. What I really noticed was every time she had a collaborator, it just she leveled up um, okay. on the track yep. and. And that to me actually like with all of the cynicism and all the bullshit, like there are some pretty fucking amazingly talented people out there who are super famous and super rich and part of them being super famous and super rich is they're actually fucking really good and and they can bring out the best of either the producers they work with or the vocalists they work with. And I thought Ariana Grande, The Weeknd, Scissor and Young Thug, those were the standout tracks and it doesn't shit on Doja Cat for that, it just it's just I, I feel like they're really good matchings, really good pairings and let's see more of that. Um apart from that, uh just fucking hated the thing. Um and all probably, music is good. All music is good. Um yeah, don't need more of this. Uh it just it doesn't compete with the stuff 
th- I, it doesn't compete with the world that she's trying to shoot for in so much as it, mm. it doesn't hit the Afrobeats tip, it doesn't hit the banging hip-hop tip, and they're not brilliant pop songs. They're just kind of like additions. Can I say one thing that I did like? Was the um the the sound of the wolf the howling wolf that happened at the start of a couple of the tracks Ooh, that was okay. that was the bit that's like oh that was the only bit that I thought oh that I hadn't heard that before cool and that happened on a bunch of tracks All okay right. wow so that well that might bump up the score yeah, yeah. Well, up how the much score you gonna keep for that wolf because <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go like nine out of eleven right. for this oh, it's taking a while you might not get your money back no, with scores I, yeah, like that I, I may not get my money back what about you Mick. Um, well, I'll, yeah, thinking of Jules, Pas- Jules Pascoe's response, like, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, it takes a lot to get an album out, yeah. so I don't want to be too harsh. Yep. yep. Um, and, and I like The Wolf, and, you know, if my daughter's into it, then that's great too. So I'll, I'll go, I'll go and, oh, I'll be really kind and go 7.5. All right. Um, look, like you, Mick, I, I also think well done for putting an album out. I think that's great. I think if I had mixed it, I w- would have been a better album. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's how it works sometimes. Not all the, uh, the little guys in Melbourne get the big gigs. Um, and I don't really mix either. But I could have got a production credit on it. But you know what? Like that, that kind of like... That swagger probably might get you the mix for the next time. <laughs> That's a real LA swagger you've got That's there. Right. That's someone who nearly beat Mark Philippus. That's right. Sort of swagger. Um, I'm going to also go with Mick. I'm going to give it actually a seven. Uh, I didn't think it was that bad, but it was just not – didn't pop. And – yeah, that's what these things need to do. But maybe it's going to inspire, you know, billions of TikTok um, accounts and going to make a shitload of money. And that's great. Yeah. And she yeah. wrote on everything and she did. She sang in tune. Absolutely. Bang. There you go. Yeah. Take it 6.5. Take that to the bank. Take it from 7.5 to 6.5. All right. So well, that's a, that, that brings us to a 7.5, 7.5 and a no, no, 7, nine. 7.5 and a and 9. 9 out of uh, 11 being 11 being the down point and that also brings us to the end of episode number 26 what a great episode it of was the all music is good no no 25 25 tonight. Oh, is it 25 it was that's quarter of a century quarter of a century we might well we might get the banner up for that mick thank you again so much My for joining pleasure. us thanks for having me oh, so um, good to have you, we've got five da- four days now um we've just clicked midnight so four days till the new putbacks record single single single, single. Mm-hmm. yeah can we expect an album Anytime soon yeah, or September? Yeah, September. September. <laughs> there you go. I'll he rewind has been and, here talking. I'll rewind and re-listen to the episode. <laughs> so September. That's exciting. Yeah, the new M D and the footbacks album. Unreal. Yeah. That's so exciting. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, um, well, um, we've also got a gig. You and I got a gig oh, coming yeah, up too. Coming up soon. So that's at the night cat and the twenty third. Hey, can I ask a question? Yes. The intro music. Yes. Is so, that who? Who's? Where's that come from? That comes from here. That was actually did, written. That was written in this building. Did you make that? That was me and Wazar. Yeah, nice. With yeah. Travis Dempsey from the Living End on the drums, <laughs> uh, recorded by Tristan from Hope Street at there the time. You go. So, it's the only other collaboration me and Waz have done in our time. Yeah, it's, it's a great, a cl- great drum intro. <laughs> it's a classic track. It's like uh, it's by a band called the South City Three. South City, yeah, South City, South City Three. Nice. <laughs> yep, <laughs> it's rare. Hear. It is very. You rare. can find it. Um, on this you podcast. can find it on Blu-ray, actually. Blu-ray. <laughs> VHS, for VHS and Blu-ray, low. VHS for the audio quality. This has been the Always Is Good podcast, episode twenty-five. Mick, thanks again. Waza, we'll see you next week, and uh, let's hope to get to number thirty-one, uh, thirty-two, thirty-two, oh, 31. Ne- thirty-one, yes, thirty-one in the next week. Got it. Nice. See you next time. <laughs>